Hello, fellow homebrewers. JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brew Built X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brew Built Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full two inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brew Built line of options and add ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brew Built X1 Conical Uni Tanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brew Built Conicals. You can trust Brew Built with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brew Built at morebeer.com. Home brewers, craft brewers, beer lovers, beer drinkers. Get ready for an all-new experience in information exchange and beer culture. Your only source, only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers from around the globe right to your home. You're not just listening to broadcasters. It's the Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Good evening and welcome to the Brewing Network. It's the Sunday show with the Brewcasters, and today it's almost singular. There's, there's only two of us so far. Which is not singular, then. It's almost, though. <laughs> almost. <laughs> we got California, by our own co-host. Yes. Well, we're going to use that term. It's going to storm the nation. California? Yeah, nobody knows what it is. Really? Yeah. It happens to us quite a bit. It's one of many terms invented here on the Brewing Network, California. It is. Been using it for a while. California, for you folks that don't know, we're going to explain. You can use it all over the country. You don't have to be in California to use it. It's California because people in California do it more than any other place on earth. I think so. And that is when they tell you they're going to do something. And they really say it. Like, they don't say maybe. They go, oh yeah, that sounds great. I'll be there. Or yeah, I'll do that. And then they just, and it doesn't, like, it's like it was never said. They just don't show up. And it's not just they don't show up, it's that the next time you see them, they don't even say, oh hey, sorry I missed you that time. It's like as if it never happened. Exactly, and they don't even call. <laughs> so this weekend was very rough on us. Not only did we get California yesterday by our old Twice. John. Yeah. He was supposed to come over with his doppelbock. California all over the place. All weekend long. Today we actually haven't been California. I think I'm remembering, Dr. Scott's not yet in the studio, and, and I think actually now I'm remembering of a conversation with him. We probably were both drunk where he said he was going to be a little late today. Is that right? But that's a vague memory that I might have invented in order to protect Dr. Scott. I can't remember. I knock on wood. <laughs> but we do have, I'll tell you what, a groundbreaking show for you today. A couple of interesting things have happened today. Daniela, one of them you don't even know yet. But I'm telling you, uh, it's as if the world has turned upside down. All right? What? And I'm going to tell you why. Tell me. On today's show, I will be giving a chemistry lesson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, I just felt hell freezing. How weird is that? I'm actually running a discussion today. 
How would you do that? About uh, a, a, a chemical process in beer. We're going to be talking about uh, uh, mostly unfermentable sugars, but fermentable and unfermentable sugars. And I will be running the, d- the discussion. Hang on a moment. Didn't you fail chemistry? I did, twice. <laughs> Maybe three times now that I think about it, because I think I failed it twice in high school and once in college. But it still is that you think you can run a discussion about chemistry. You wait. I wait. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's groundbreaking. It's kind of hot. The other groundbreaking thing that's happened is I just I just received it in my email just five minutes before the show. I've been invited to sit on a tasting panel. What? <laughs> <laughs> tasting what? Uh, barley wines. Invited by whom? I'm not going to say because I don't want to throw them under the bus for, for being dumb enough to invite me to sit on a panel. Is it in this area? Yeah. But it's a legitimate panel of... Uh, it's not the big barley wine festival. I mean, let's not get crazy. You're not going to Alaska. No. And, I'm not, and it's not the Toronado one either. But uh, it's a real panel. And, and they, the person said, you know, I'd, I'd love to have you sit on the uh, the judging panel. Man, they must have had an issue finding people who are willing to <laughs> donate their time. I know. Hell is freezing over. Are you so, sure they want you and not just an employee of the Brewing Network? I'm sure. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> they said Justin on the thing. I read really? it twice. It's very strange. Hey, Bub, you're on the air. What's happening? I figured you needed another brewcaster. <laughs> yeah, you know one? Who... Oh. <laughs> oh. I'm sorry, oh. Bub. I'm just messing with you. Time is oh. running, Bub. What do you have to say? Hey, no, poor Bub is sober this week. I know. Unless you had the kid already. I'm sober as a judge. Yeah, this guy, he's only allowed two beers uh, per night because uh, it's baby time for Bub. Or almost Any baby minute. time. Is that right? Any minute. I could... I could probably reach in there and grab it if I wanted to. <laughs> you grab it just right by the head, huh? Grab oh. it by the hair, like by the ponytail, and just yank it out. Now tell me. Now let's be honest here, Bob. You you excited about this happening or what? You know, I was more until I figured. You know, I gotta like wake up and change diapers again, and that's gonna kind of suck. But other than that, yeah. Now oh, you're good. excited. All right. Have we got? Uh, yeah, I got mean, a- this one's this one's a boy, so you know, I could you know do. Boy things with it, like shooting things. And looking at Playboy. Right. <laughs> That's pretty There's cool. There's an excuse. Actually. Oh, i got to renew the subscription now. <laughs> you can thank me later. Beer Bear, you're on the line. What's happening, my brother? Not much, dude. I was just calling to see if this phone worked. I was just testing my new phone. <laughs> you're an ass. <laughs> <laughs> that works beautiful. I, I can hear you fine. Thank you for calling AT&T. <laughs> All right, Beer Bear. Bye. <laughs> what a dick. Beer Bear's a tool. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, here's what's happening. Uh, we are waiting for a doc to come in. And now while I am running the, this, this chemistry discussion today, um, <laughs> I will say this. If doc doesn't show up, we're all in trouble because I am prepared and I'm actually I'm feeling good about it. Uh, with that being said, you know, it's no secret that I, you know, I need doc here to uh, to fill in the blanks. So with being prepared, you mean you have a bunch of questions in front of you for doc? <laughs> no, I'm telling you, when I said that a lot of things are happening on this show that's turned the world upside down, I mean it. I have I have information today, not just questions. Wow. How about that? Now, let's be honest here. I didn't go out and, and like, discover this stuff on my own. It's readily available in books. I just read those books. You're and I'm going to, and I put a general discussion together for us. And it's part of actually, uh, we're gonna, we're doing kind of a series over the next few weeks. And, right. and, um, 
they're loosely related. I mean, in my head, they fit together perfectly. Uh, in yours, it, you know, it's probably going to sound like it's not even a chain of, of events. <laughs> but uh, but here's what we've done. I've set up a, a, a couple of things for the next two weeks, and I'm excited about these two shows, both today and next week. Uh, what we've done is sort of an extras show, okay? So we've covered Brewing Basics. Well, now we're going to cover some things that you could add to your beer, but you don't necessarily have to. Okay, so that's today. We're going to be covering uh, fermentables that you could add to your beer to to boost it for various reasons, uh, but you don't have to. So it's kind of an extras thing. And next week, and next week's going to be a, a great show, by the way. It's kind of it's going to coincide a little bit with our our frugal brewer uh, topic that we did a while back that everyone really liked. Um, and and that one, and we're going to get Chris Graham in here, and we're going to talk about equipment that you could use. You know, stuff that will really help your your setup in various ways, uh, but that you don't need. So that we can help you figure out how to spend your money wisely. Right. So we're going to oh, be talking. Been better for that show. Yeah, you think so about how to spend your money yeah, wisely? I, I, I can fake this one, but the, that show I, I, I would have been a lot better for. But how that blow, show you're how in to for. blow money that you don't have. Yeah, exactly. You're good at that. Well, sure. it's going to cover things like you know that, that some people consider requirements, but but they really aren't if you if you go over out of the basics. So we're going to be talking about wort chillers and pumps and uh, all the different Conical kind fermenters. of conicals, exactly all the kind of different gadgets that you could throw in there. And and we we really want to help you choose you know where to waste your money, as as Bub puts it. So uh, I'm excited about next week's show, and then this week's show, like I said, is going to be covering things that you don't have to put in your beer, but you could do. All right. Are we talking like? Fruits? Are we talking rice sugar? Also? Yes, sugar? yes, and yes, and yes. Lots okay. of different things, and uh, I got Is it all lined lemon up. Lemon in the half? Yes. No. No. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I caught you. You I did. You. Yeah. Shame on you. <laughs> so uh, we got things like that going on. Uh, I think we got. What do we got? JP on the line. We have JP. JP, what's happening? Hey, what's up, man? Hey, aren't you like at a nine zero two one zero party tonight or something? Yeah, it's the 10th anniversary reunion, and um, I hear Dylan looks pretty good, so I just kind of wanted to see that. No, you are. You're like at a you're at a TV show party, right? Uh, 24, baby. It's the season premiere. So you got like all your little gay friends over? Uh, no, they're coming. I'm just uh, I'm about to make some hot wings, and uh, I got the I got the rub on the tri tip, and uh, yeah. I bet you do. I was rubbing my meat. Hey, uh, the reason I'm calling in. Yeah. Um, I got a new doorbell. I want to make sure it works. How's this sound? <laughs> Wow! Beautiful, JP. It sounds great. It really works well. It works great. Good. Thank okay, you for calling uh, Home Improvement Hour. You're very welcome. JP, are you wearing the gift I brought for you from Germany? No, I'm not. You're not. <laughs> What'd you bring him? Just right now. You brought him a dirndl. I'm not erect yet, though. I can't really. <laughs> I see. All right. Oh, oh yeah, the other one. Uh, your doorbell works fine, JP. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. Later. Take care. Wow. What's uh, I was going to ask him if that was a 12-volt doorbell. Or <laughs> you see what happens? Uh, a, a brewing legend, John Palmer, calls in to test one thing. And, uh, and and because he can do it, now everybody can test everything. Which is kind of true. <laughs> yeah. You know, people are going to be like, I'm using a new meat knife. How does it sound? <laughs> zipper. Well, we're a very personable network, so that's yeah. fine. Glad that we can help. Why is Boop still on the I, line? I think I, st- I think I started that with testing my turlet. <laughs> Oh, his toilet. Yeah. All right. That's the bu- that's the bub buzzer. All right. Thanks, bub. 
All right, guys. Good night. Uh, we'll be calling Bub back to to help us out later if Doc never uh, you know makes it in because so that, you know it couldn't get worse than me, right? It couldn't. The chat room <laughs> thinks that the stump the brewer is going to be very easy tonight. <laughs> and can you even call it stump the brewer? <laughs> you could. Yes, you've brewed technically. We are going to be talking about that in just a few minutes. Danielle and I brewed a beer uh, yesterday, and uh, pretty excited about how it's gone so far. Yeah. It might be the first one I haven't screwed up in a while. So again, gonna, knock on wood. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in in just a little bit uh what do we got here uh, shan boone on the line doc brew what's happening well uh you guys said where you were missing uh doc brew there so i thought i'd fill in and we got the doc brew from the forum a different doc and you uh, sound like jameel yeah you do sound like jameel what do you know about brewing anything well, let's see. I've been brewing for about uh, 13 years or so, so I think I've got a couple brews under my belt. you got a tip or two inside you, I'm sure. <laughs> Except it's really weird because i got my headphones on and yeah, I can hear the show in my ears and I've got this serious thing going on. I have no idea what you're talking about. you got serious radio in the... What, what's happening here? Oh, yeah. I definitely have some serious radio going on. All right. All right, Doc Brew, I'm going to let you go. Uh, we'll be calling you back, though, if we need help later. I don't know what, I don't know what that means. I'm already confused, and I haven't even started my chemistry talk yet. <laughs> it's very strange. 888-401-BEER is our phone number. You can Skype us at uh, the Brewing Network, and uh, you know we'll get you right on. I, I, and unless Doc shows up, you know, don't ask any questions. <laughs> Just call to say hi, because uh, I've got my discussion prepared for you, but, you know, that's the extent of that. Yeah. You're, you're doing just fine. Thank you. <laughs> we haven't started yet. Don't sweat it yet. Okay, uh, I want to remind everybody to uh, visit our Brewing Network store. There's still some shirts available there and uh, got some new ones on order. Some new designs, too. We're working on a couple different uh, different things that I'm, I'm actually pretty excited about. I think they're going to be funny. Got some funny stuff coming yeah. out. So keep an eye on the Brewing Network store plus uh, podcasts that are that are there. There's one now, and, and that's our one-hour boil with John Palmer and, and some other things coming up. John Palmer's on our show in a few weeks, by the way. That That's happening. amazing. I can't wait for that show. I think it's the end of February. I think he's on with us. I uh, also want to remind you to sign up for the Brewing Network newsletter. Just hit the newsletter uh, button right there on our homepage, and uh, it's an easy form. You you know, put in your email and things like that, and we'll send you our newsletter once a month. And it'll let you know what's going to be on the shows, what guests we have coming up. We put uh, beer recipes in there, uh, so that's kind of a cool thing. You get to Funny cook pictures. with beer, put silly pictures. Uh, Jamil has his own segment there talking about uh, brew tips that people ask him. It's kind of a, of a, uh, it's a Dear Abby sort of thing, and, right. but... You know, for Jamil. So you got that happening. And then the last thing that I want to update everybody else, uh, everybody on is uh, just a quick reminder. Our Linda Stark fundraiser uh, officially ended uh, uh, Friday at midnight. And uh, the last leg. uh, Now, that doesn't mean that you can't keep donating for Linda. And and we will obviously send those funds, you know, directly to her. Um, Just all you have to do is in the uh, there's a there's a reason that you. There's a field when you hit the donate button that says, like, why you're donating. Just put Linda on that so we always know. And as long as you want to do that, we'll keep sending it. But our our official fundraiser actually ended Friday at midnight, and the last leg of it was... 
the uh, a six package of meals beer for everybody who donated ten dollars or more, and for everybody who donated fifty dollars or more, uh, your name goes in into a hat uh, to brew with Jamil. And if if he's ever in your neck of the woods, if you're not uh, out here, then uh, he'll show up at your house and brew with you. Or if you're ever in in our neck of the woods, you can go over to Jamil's house and brew. And uh, we're going to announce uh, those winners tomorrow uh, tomorrow morning during the Jamil show. Exactly. So uh, we'll get that all lined up for you. And we we again want to thank everybody for participating in that. We raised a lot of money, um, over $6,000, as a matter of fact, for Linda. And uh, we're real proud of that, and we're real proud of you for stepping up and uh, helping uh, you know, a fellow brewer uh, in, a, in a good cause, and just a fellow human being. That's a, a great thing to do. So we appreciate all of that. Um, the our, our fundraisers are officially over, but like we said, feel free to donate. If you put Linda's name on it, we will uh, make sure that it gets over to her. Right, and I think that about uh, covers that for us. And I'll still keep you updated uh, in our forum about uh, what's going on w- with Linda as I get those updates. So you can just go to thebrewingnetwork.com slash forum dot, I think it's PHBB or some, some crap like that. Hit the forum button on our homepage. And uh, you, you can always find out information not only about the Brewing Network, but I'll keep posting what's happening with Linda as I get those updates too. All right? Now, real quick, I wanted to discuss our brew yesterday. Yes. So uh, we wanted to brew, but it's ass cold outside, so we didn't want to be out there for eight hours. It really is. And as a matter of fact, we always get started late. So by 4 p.m. in the afternoon, you can't really brew right now outside anymore. It's like th- in the 30s right now in California. Which, you know, for me, might as well be Antarctica. I mean, once you get below 50. Well, in Californian houses, it feels like it because you have no insulation, nothing. Yeah. So it's pretty bad. So uh, all that uh, sissy complaining aside, we wanted to get a brew done anyway. So even though we've been doing all grain for a while, uh, <coughs> with moderate success, uh, we decided to throw together a quick extract yeah. batch yesterday. And now I kind of know why. When I first went all grain, you know, I thought... Uh, people like Oz would say to me, yeah, I'm going to throw together a quick extract batch. And I kind of never... I was like, well, it's not too much more difficult to... To do all green. But it is. Well, having gone back to extract yesterday, yeah, you really realize how much... I mean, we cut two hours out of our process. Mostly, uh, it doesn't take everybody that much longer to do all green. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's just us? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, and we're still learning the equipment that we have to... Yeah, but all, all the cleaning that's involved <clears throat> and all doing that, that's like another three hours right there, you know, the mash tons and all that stuff. So I was happy not to have to deal with this ice-cold water outside all the time yeah. yesterday. So we threw together an extract bag. It was good. And it did cut down the time. And you know what we brewed was uh, Jamil's Chocolate Hazelnut Porter. Mm-hmm. You can get a kit at Beer, Beer, More Beer. A few of Jamil's recipes, I think you can get a kit. And then, of course, you can get all uh, his recipes if you go to, if you listen to the Jamil show. He gives a, rep, a recipe on every show, mm. uh, for whatever style he's doing. Uh, so we did his chocolate hazelnut porter. And, uh, I'll tell you what, so far it's come out real well. It seems to be a beautiful recipe, really. The color is amazing on this beer. Yeah. And what's our OG? Uh, we, okay, so he calls for 1060 to 1065. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm usually pretty inaccurate with hitting my OGs. You are. Within, you know, if I get within 10 points of my, of what it's supposed to be, I'm pretty stoked. I'm, I think you've never managed, actually. No, I have. Really? Come on. Come on. I've done it, you know, once or twice. And if I get within 10 points, I'm pretty stoked. Well, uh, we got within, we, we hit 1066. It's pretty good. One point over. His range, and by the way, I'm always okay to go a little over. Do you think that's my input? Absolutely not. <laughs> Liar. I think you had nothing. I don't even know if you were actually there. <laughs> 
yesterday. <laughs> you are lying. So we hit uh, a hit our OG ten sixty six. Real happy about that. That's great. That. Yes. Um, we got some new equipment yesterday because we had been given some gift certificates to B3 uh, for Christmas. And uh, I got a pump system so I could do Jamil's uh, Whirlpool chiller, mm-hmm. which is essentially you still use your immersion chiller instead of, a say, a counterflow chiller, for example. But you circulate the wort out of the uh, the spigot on the bottom. And you and you put it up into a uh, 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 you have to have a, a brass tube welded on to your immersion chiller, and it goes back then into the boil kettle and wor- and it and it shoots it out of the tube in such a way that it also creates a whirlpool. So you're whirlpooling and chilling at the same time. Now the problem is that uh, we decided only to do five gallons, and our <laughs> stupid little spout didn't reach all the way into our wort. We would have had to do ten gallons so that the spout went down far enough. That was our big goof. It was. <laughs> and by our, I mean mine, of course, because it was you. my idea. Thank you, Justin. I appreciate it. And I was worried about hot side aeration because I felt like maybe we still could do it, but then it was going to be spouting out like four inches above the hot wort, and I didn't want to do it. So we didn't actually get to use our pump very much. But we, regardless of that fact, we chilled down pretty quickly, and by the time we pitched, we were right at our fermentation temperature, which our desired temperature we, we use in the uh, British Ale yeast. It's White Labs British Ale. That I don't know if... If it's what Jamil's recipe called for, but it was what uh, John recommended for us uh, over at B3. So we used that, and we, we nailed it at 67 degrees. We pitched. Which we've never done before, I think. No, we've always pitched, I think, a little on the warm side. Absolutely. Or occasionally even on the real cold side, and then warmed it up, you know. Uh, but this, yeah, we got it to right at 67. It's right now sitting at 67, and uh, hasn't started fermenting yet. But, like, I guess our point here is... Uh, Everything seems to have gone pretty damn smoothly. Well, now you knock on wood. Yeah, well, I've tried it yesterday. The carboy's going to break right here on the carpet now that I said that. <laughs> it tasted good, too. It tasted great. Yeah. So uh, let me read you some of the recipe just for fun because you all are, are interested in Jamil's recipes, I'm sure, as I was. Um, it's Like I said, it's an extract batch. So we used uh, eight pounds of English light and a half a pound of light DME. Uh, our grain was... Now, a lot of... Because it's a... A porter, a lot of steeping grains. Absolutely. So for a five-gallon batch, we actually used uh, really close to five pounds of steeping grains. And we used a pound of Munich, a pound of Crystal 40, a pound of Crystal 75, half a pound of Carapils, three-quarter pound of chocolate, and a half a pound of Black Patent. And that really colored the, the water quickly. I mean, it got dark uh, very quickly. Yeah. Obviously, we steeped from the time that we turned on the heat till we got to 170 degrees, um, and and pulled it out, and we had a just a, a great color, great aroma, even coming out. And then, of course, we uh, added our our extracts uh, for hops. One ounce of Kent Goldings for 60 minutes, one ounce of Willamette uh, for 30 minutes, and two ounces of Willamette for the last minute. And in the last minute is also where we added eight ounces of unsweetened chocolate powder. Mm. Seemed like a lot of chocolate powder at the time. In fact, we were tempted to call Jamil and ask, are we really supposed to put this much cocoa? Or is that for 10 gallons? Yeah. But it was. I think it made it, it gave it a great taste of the beer. It, it really did. So that was eight ounces of unsweetened cocoa powder. also affected the color because it really gave it that, it, I mean, it looks like cocoa right now. Right. So the last thing we have to do is after fermentation, um, the package also comes with uh, 25 milliliters of hazelnut flavoring, which is like a hazelnut extract that we're supposed to add at bottling or kegging, mm. and and hence the hazelnut 
mm. part of the hazelnut chocolate porter. Yeah, it, it came out great. I was a little concerned about the high IBUs we had in this recipe. Uh-huh. I think it pushed us up to 38, something like that, right, with the hops additions. Yeah. And to me, I usually brew... No, it's higher than that. It's even higher than that. Even higher than yeah. that. Yeah. And I usually brew beers that are low in hops, and I don't like the bitter side too much of it. Yeah. But it tastes just fantastic, just how it came out, and I really hope it's going to be a nice, balanced beer. That's right. The recipe seems to be great. Absolutely. Good work, Jamil, like always. Yep, it's a it's a great recipe. So we're looking forward to trying that, and we'll keep you up to date. We just thought it'd be fun to give you a different story about my brewing, which uh, may turn out to be a success. Thank you for assisting yesterday, Justin. <laughs> F you. <laughs> and with that, it's time for everybody's favorite part of the Sunday show, Daniela's World Vigorously. You know what I got for us? What's happening in Daniela's World Vigorously? We got our first edition of the Beer Advocate magazine. Ah, yes. All of you know about BeerAdvocate.com, a website that has been around for a, a long time. And started, you know, the same way we did, just doing it for fun and to help promote beer and to and to really just just push beer forward. And um, anyway, now after they've been uh, in existence for years, uh, they come out with their own magazine, right? Which we signed up for uh, their inaugural issue while we were at GABF. Mm-hmm. Wanted to help support, absolutely. So you're gonna—that's part of your world. Actually, yeah, that is my world today because I was reading it all weekend long, and I thought I'd just give you guys a little review, a quick re- review about what I thought about. The magazine and what it contains of. You want to see it? Yeah. I think you haven't touched it yet. Well, I did just, br- I thumbed through it briefly. So right. you actually read it. So, actually, uh, for the beer advocate for the website itself, it was started in 2000 uh, by two brothers, the Alstrom brothers, Jeff and Todd. Mm-hmm. And they were just, they've always been sub- subscribed to beer a lot. And, and that's Todd if you speak English. Todd. Is it T U T? No, it's T O D D. Yeah, thank you. Go on. Todd. <laughs> <laughs> Is like, that right? Well, you're saying it like King Tut. Todd. There you go. There you go. It's your world. You can say it however you want. <laughs> well, I say vigorously too, don't I? So um, the website and the magazine, they're just operated by those two brothers, and they just put together this um, physical version now, basically, not of their website, but just um, all the information that a beer, the beer advocate should give out there. So far to date, over 7,000 beer enthusiasts have already subscribed to the magazine. No kidding. No kidding. Good and for them. Very good for them. I'm really happy to read all their numbers. It's amazing, actually. The beer, the website, thebeeradvocate.com, is the largest online community for beer in the world. Mm. Every month, they welcome over six, six million page views. Six million. Six million. Wow. Isn't that amazing? It is amazing. <laughs> you know, when I met those, I met them at GABF when we signed up. Right. They looked at me like I was a moron. It's not their fault. <laughs> They probably saw a lot of morons like me that day. But I said to him, I said, hey, listen, I'm a big fan of your site. I steal from it all the time. Uh, which by steal, I mean that they put up beer news and stuff. And, right. and, and it's there for everyone to use. And I use uh, Beer Advocate all the time as a resource. It's a fantastic website. Yeah. And let me just tell you about the magazine. It's not too shabby either. Uh-huh. So the magazine's content wants to advocate beer through a unique exploration of beer style, culture, and respect. It does not only want to focus on one specific region. It will be U.S.-centric, though, especially in the beginning. With some international content added, because just for the matter, those guys are in the U.S., so of course it's going to be a little bit U.S.-centric. Sure. I'm all right with that. 
Oh, me too. I mean, it's totally fine. It's a huge beer industry here. So that's what the magazine wants. Now, I went through and I just, um, what I have to say first about the layout, for example, just to review the magazine, the layout per se is fantastic. I really like the font is clear. The colors are just beautiful. And the photography that they have in there is really amazing too. They have some nice beer photography in there. It's different than all the other magazines in the, in the way that it looks. I think it does. I, it, I think that's good because they, they, it's easy to look the same. It, yeah, it is very easy. And this magazine manages to be modern, but also to be just very personable at the same time. You know, like it's not an intimidating, weird, um, like fancy magazine. It's like, it's a beer magazine yeah. and that's what it is, but it's still high class. So I really like just even the, even the pages feel the paper. It's totally different than usually in magazines. It's very nice. So the layout gets five out of five Daniela's Vigoros beers. Oh. Mm-hmm. Have we been? Is that a new thing? Yeah, I invented that. Just now? Just now. <laughs> All right. Five out of five Vigoros beers. You like that? For the magazine. I like it. It's a good judging system. Thank you so much. Now, of course, what's very important is the content. And I thought I would uh, just browse through what the magazine features in this edition. I don't know if it's always going to be the same. Mm-hmm. But this one um, is strictly beer related and very much dedicated to the consumer, I've noticed. So it's not like an industry magazine per se. Okay. It's really to you guys and girls out there. That's what it wants to add. Educate. All right. So that I, that I like a lot. Uh, it also so it starts with beer news section, then goes over to an editorial shout out uh, on defending your own beer, followed by beer events, an article about why to homebrew, a style profile of a Weizenbock, a profile about a professional microbrewer, um, questions and answers section. It features um, it features an article about cans. Cans. Uh, yeah, you like that, huh? Yeah. I got your attention right away. Yeah, I wasn't listening to it, <laughs> cans. Our own Sean O'Sullivan is being uh, quoted in there too. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. I like that he's ours now. Yeah, he's always been, hasn't he? We've trademarked him. <laughs> then it also has a food and beer section in there. Another big beer-related topic, very long article. And then also beer reviews, which I liked a lot. Well, and that's important. Uh, everybody who uses Beer Advocate um, knows that... Uh, they're big because users in the community can post reviews on beer. Right. And it's how people get to find out, you know, whether or not Absolutely. to go buy a beer. Because you can see several people doing reviews. So keeping to that huge part of their of their site. In fact, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because I'm looking through that part right now. Mm-hmm. There's pages of there beer is, reviews. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's uh, let me see. Well, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about the reviews Keep later to, on. Okay. Uh, I'm looking at six pages right here. Yes, of I think it was they reviewed over 20 beers just in this edition, which That's is amazing. Great. You learn, you even learn about beers. I didn't know of many of those beers that they even existed, you yeah, know? Learn about new beers, yeah. New beers. So it's very good. Um, so the content, what they have in that edition, yeah. per se, gets five out of five Daniela's Vigoros beers. Content five out of five too. Well, now if we go in detail of the content, so this is just what do they feature? You know, it's I such see. a various content. So let's go into the details. Um, it was very important to me um, to see the news and events section because I always like that. I like to keep updated on what's happening in the industry. Yeah, uh, I like it a lot because uh, it has domestic content, but also some internationality in okay. there. So it. Uh, teaches you about international events and so on. The articles are all very well written. They're not very technical. You can really read between in between the lines that the person who writes for them, I don't know if it's the guys only or if they have uh, writers, they are just beer fanatics. You can tell by reading the article, they just love their beer and they love everything surrounding it. And even more, it seems to be a lifestyle. You know, they really bring across this beer lifestyle in this magazine very well. So I like that. If you're just tuning in, we're talking about Beer Advocates' new magazine. Mm -hmm. So news, events, and how the articles are written, five out of five. 
these guys paying you or something? <laughs> no, I just love the magazine. I really do. Now, the beer reviews, they have a score system from A to F uh, with a minus and plus two. So there's an A minus, there's a B plus and so on. So they give school grades, right? That's American school grades. Yes. That's how they do it. And in this issue, as I said, they reviewed over 20 beers. Um, it is a good mix. As you can tell, they have some new releases that they've reviewed, but also some older beers that have been around for a longer time. So I like that, that you learn about the new releases. Yeah. The descriptions are thorough with plenty of different aspects. For example, how the beer pours, the head retention, the color of the beer, how it's balanced, etc., etc. As I'm looking through the reviews, I see that they've reviewed two beers from Michelob, which I'm not against. I'm just pointing out that they have Michelob's, uh, they have a, Michelob has a Celebrate series. Michelob, by the way, is Anheuser-Busch. Uh, they have a Celebrate series. So they reviewed their chocolate and their vanilla oak. Mm-hmm. And uh, the chocolate got a D. Mm-hmm. The vanilla oak got a C+. Plus. There you go. I've had my share of C pluses in my day. <laughs> You've brewed your share of C pluses. That's true, too. <laughs> go on, please. So overall... Um, you get good, solid information and recommendations for beers. Um, now, I, I myself find um, reviews always a little bit tricky. I always find them a little bit... Sometimes they can be misleading to me. It's just a personal impression of a beer, despite the fact that they really try to stay as objective as you can. Yeah. You still will be influenced because you know what you're drinking. Yeah. So, therefore, I only give three out of five. On their reviews. On their reviews. Three out of five Vigoros beers. Three out of five Daniela's Vigoros beers. Now, the travel section, they have a travel section in the, the, this issue, too. The article is good with lots... It's about Belgium, traveling to Belgium. So the article is good with lots of information about the destination itself, where you can go, where the beer level would be, where you really don't want to miss out on going. Um, it has all the addresses listed of the places with their website, so that's all really good information. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get a very good uh, first impression. Overall, this section receives four out of five Daniela Svagaro's beers. All right. Now, of course, this magazine has advertising because the guys well, are... sure. Of course, you got to pay for it. you got to pay for it. And I know a lot of people are very skeptical when, when it comes to that. That's why a lot of people won't go and buy magazines. But it's actually very moderate. I mean, just browse through it. First of all, it's all beer-related. So you don't find any advertising that's not going to be of interest to you because it's beer content, right? Yeah, there's, a, there's kind of a lot of advertising. Think so? Yeah. Well, but for a magazine, I think it's a good mix. I think it's it's fair what they have well, in there. Well, for a guy like me who doesn't really read and I just look at pictures, there's a lot of the pictures are advertising. <laughs> What I'm getting at. Well, to me, as I read a lot of magazines and I know how much advertising they usually feature, yeah. it's really okay. Because the last time I saw this many pictures, uh, I was coloring. I had a coloring book. <laughs> and that was two hours ago, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so overall, uh, this new magazine gets four out of five Daniela's Vigoro Spears. I can um, warmly recommend this magazine. Okay. Um, as they say, give, can you pass it to me, please? Sure. Because they have a top ten list in the beginning um, where they talk about why they had to, why they now have to publish a magazine. Didn't I invent the top ten list? No, you didn't. Oh. Number one is we love beer. Number two is beer deserves more coverage and more respect, and it goes on and goes You're on. You're supposed to start at number ten, I think. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to read you all of it. Oh. So those are the two, like the two very nice reasons I thought. What was number two? <laughs> beer deserves more coverage and more respect, ah, and I it goes on and goes on. And then also that. number eight, everybody needs a good read while they're on the crapper. Ah, that's a, that should be closer to number one. 
had they done it in my top ten list. Yeah, you can subscribe to the magazine. I think they always have they always, they kind of have promotions going on uh, every once in a while. I'm sure you can just go to beeradvocate.com. Beeradvocate.com. I mean, check it out. I really liked it. I enjoyed it a lot. Now, by the way, lest you think that uh, this is some marketing ploy, uh, we literally just subscribed to this magazine. We did. Got it in the mail. And Daniela thought, you know, this is it's really great. I want to talk about it. So yeah. um, maybe these guys, though, won't look at me like I'm a big freak the next time I shake their hand and say, I like what you do. Well, I doubt they even know that we're talking about it, but never mind. Oh, I'll be telling <laughs> You think we've ever mentioned anything on this show that I don't send an email and say, you know, we... We talked about it. Right. Well, you know, I think the magazine is great because it doesn't geek out too much. It's not too technical, which I really enjoy. If I if it's a technical magazine, I won't read it anymore because I ch- I'm just not interested. I like to brew my beer, but I don't have to learn about all this background. It's just, you know what? It's almost a lifestyle magazine for beer. Agreed. A beer-style life magazine. I like it. Me too. I like it. That's a good uh, Vigorous world, and I thank you for uh, updating us. My pleasure. All right. I was going to do some news for you, but I'm going to cut it out because uh, we got to take a pee break. We've been on for a half hour, and last week we went for, I think, 32 minutes without a pee break. And, uh, well, we're lucky that people didn't send missiles our way. They were very angry that we would go on that long without taking a break. So today we are going to take a break. When we come back, I don't know, man. I want to get into this discussion. Well, just do it. (laughs) Just tell everybody not to ask questions. All right, listen. For the first time ever, I'm going to tell you folks, you can go ahead and stop listening. Go watch 24 like JP. (laughs) The good doctor doesn't show up to fill in the blanks here soon. I got good information. I'm actually not going to. I'm not going to give you anything that's not false. That's not false. Yeah, it's going to be a lot like that. <laughs> well, just relax. But if, have you got, a but if you got questions in between, you know, talk amongst yourselves. I'm sure there's plenty of people in the in the chat room who are more qualified than I. We're going to take a quick break. 888-401-BEER is our phone number if you want to call up and hang out with us. And when we come back, uh, we are going to start talking about uh, fermentables in your beer and uh, what you can do uh, to use them and why you're using them and a little chemistry behind uh, the old sugar. All right? So hang in there. It's the Brewing Network. Uh, give us just a couple minutes. We'll be right back. Listening to the Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Touch 
here.
Welcome back to the Brewing Network, everybody. It's the Sunday show, and uh, hell is actually about to freeze over. It is. I can't wait. <laughs> Feels like it outside. It's not that bad today. Well, it goes hand in hand. Not only have I been asked to uh, judge beer on an official panel. <laughs> I want to go, too. I want to know what you have to say. You can. It's all behind closed doors. I can come? Nope. <laughs> you're just making this up. No, it's the way it works when you're an official judge. Really? And you don't even you're not even allowed in the room if you don't have a, a badge. Would you grab me an interview afterwards? Nope. Really? No, no. Once I hit the big time, I am out of here. <laughs> I'm leaving you folks behind. <laughs> I'm a I'm a panel judge now. Wow, watch out what you're saying. What am I going to say in there? Uh Tastes strong. <laughs> biscuity is always good. Yeah, I can say biscuity. <laughs> wow. That sure is a barley wine. <laughs> Just have your meal on a little, you know, a little earplug. Oh, that's a good idea. I just go, yeah, like yeah, I can talk back to him too. So, Jamil, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of fruity. <laughs> All right, say this. <laughs> yeah. That's perfect. <laughs> See, I know how to help you. That's how I'm going to do this chemistry discussion. I've actually got John Palmer uh, in my ear piece. Can you ask John to call in? <laughs> what do you think? I need help with this? No, just because I like talking to him. <laughs> <laughs> I love that everyone out there is like anxiously awaiting this ship to sink. Uh, this but ship ain't sin- sinking, honey. That's right. Like uh, Daniela's been in the U.S. long enough to use ain't in a <laughs> sentence. <laughs> that's t- that's when it's time to leave, actually. <laughs> All right. 888-401-BEER's our number. Uh, you can call with questions. You know, I'll see what I can do. Uh, I did speak to uh, the good doctor. He's on his way. Um, hell actually did freeze over at his house, yeah. or, or at least his water. He lives on, a like, a ranch, and they don't have plumbing. Like they do in the house, but up to the house they don't, and I guess it freezes, and he's been working on it all day. Right. I mean, I guess that makes sense because a, a few counties here in the Bay Area have declared state of emergency because of this cold weather. What? Yes. That's what I heard on the news the other day. I thought I was the only one who declared <laughs> my, my own state of my emergency. My German friend just said, that's so ridiculous. <laughs> it gets down to 38 degrees, and they declare state of emergency. Yeah. But I asked the folks in Alaska what they think about it. Yeah. They don't know anything up there. All right. 
right. So uh, here's what we're going to do. Uh, like I said at the beginning of the show, and just in case you're you're just tuning in now, uh, we're, we're doing a series over the next couple of weeks, and we're going to be talking about the extra things in brewing. You can look back through our archive page and, and find all of the basics that you need to brew yourself a batch of beer. We've done a lot of basics shows, and we've even done some extras shows, too, like... Um, Adjuncts and, and different grains that you can use that are that uh, aren't base malts, and so that's what we're doing again. Is we're really covering the things that you could add to your beer, but you don't necessarily have to. And we just want to get you know kind of expand your horizons. And in this particular discussion we're going to do today, I want you to understand the chemistry behind uh, fermentable and unfermentable sugars because it's it's pretty important. And the reason I want you to understand it is because I realized that I understand it. Which as soon as I find something that I understand, I'm like. All right, these people need to know this because if I can understand it, it's not so complicated. And uh, fermentable sugars, it really, it's a pretty basic thing, but I'm going to have to give you a little bit of a chemistry lesson so that you can understand it. And then uh, next week, we're going to be covering extras in equipment that you mm-hmm. need. So we've talked about the basic equipment to get you started brewing. We're going to start talking about wort chillers and pumps and things like that. And Chris Graham from Beer, Beer, and More Beer is going to come in and give us a hand with that next week. And then in a couple of weeks in the, later, we're actually going to be talking about adjuncts and specialty grains. So more things that you can add to your beer to get different characteristics. In some cases, for styles, you have to add them to your beer. Mm-hmm. And we're going to, uh, that one actually, Dr. Scott will be handling for you. Uh, folks, no, I can't handle that one. That one's tough. And mostly because I've never, I've not used all of those. So I can right. go and read the book about that, but I think it's more important that, uh, you know, if you, you had to have tried it. And I'm sure that Doc has used all of it. Yes. Now, also with that being said, the lesson that I'm going to give you today about uh, fermentable and unfermentable sugars, it's uh, a lot of the stuff uh, I haven't used either, the different things that you can add to boost the fermentability and different flavors in your beer. I've not used either, so he- I want you to use this discussion the same way I'm going to use it, and that's for us to gain a general understanding of what's happening and how to get certain characteristics and then go out and, and experiment with it and use it. Because here's the bottom line. Uh, this information comes right out of books, okay? And you can, and the stuff is readily available. I just, um, sometimes I'm pretty good at summarizing things to, and, and making it manageable. And I feel like once it's manageable, then you can go out and experiment with it. Absolutely. So, what books did you use? Today's discussion is, uh, based almost entirely on, uh, Ray Daniels' Designing Great Beers. Nice. Which is, uh, we've talked about, uh, the, in fact, both these books I'm gonna mention we've talked about thoroughly. This is Dr. Scott's favorite favorite uh, brewing book, I think. Designing Great Beers, I think he said, is his favorite deal. And that's by Ray Daniels. Um, and it's and it really covers uh, everything about how to uh, create your own recipe. As you're doing it, talks about the chemistry behind it um, and, and much more. It, it's, it, it even covers basics just about how to brew. And this book uh, is, I haven't read this book, but just uh, the amount of how many times this book gets quoted. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it it's is. really the force out there. One of the forces. And and Ray knows what he's talking about. I mean, he's dedicated, and you, and it and it comes through in the book. Uh, he's dedicated a lot of time to this. Um, it's an older book, but uh, it, it's really one of the things that it, it's certainly not out of date. And of course, that's available through uh, the Brewers Association. It's a Brewers Association publication. And then the other book that I used, of course, uh, my favorite book. Everybody knows is John Palmer's How to Brew. Mm-hmm. And the reason I like this book, I've said it before, is because it covers the basics. It puts everything in general terms that I can I can manage, and then if you want to, you can really dive into the chemistry part of it too. Mm-hmm. So I kind of combined the sections um, of, of fermentable sugars from both of these books and a few other resources I found on the net to to kind of get you a summary about what's happening 
uh, with with your fermentables. So I definitely encourage you to a remember that uh, I'm summarizing uh, from from text that's out there, and b uh, go out and get these books if you if you need these kind of basics because they're they're not hard to understand. No, that sounds promising. Uh, John's working on a new book, by the way. Oh, is he? I I can't say anything else about it. But uh, hopefully when he comes on the show in February, he'll tell us all about it. Man, so. you're in the scene. You know those things now. You see what's happening here? I see what's happening. All right. So here's what we're going to start with. We're going to start with the chemistry of sugar. All right. For those of you who are looking for a beer or a snooze, this is the time for you to tune in because uh, this will put a few of you to sleep. But you really need to know uh, you know, a few things about sugar. So uh, the basics that everybody knows is that uh, – and by the way, let me give my last disclaimer of the night. If you know all this stuff, don't listen anymore. Hang out in the chat room. Have yourself a good time. Enjoy some beers. If you're a new brewer like I am, hang out with me because we can learn this together and, and really kind of uh, push our way through it. So uh, – Fermentable sugars are essentially what we get from malt, uh, and even when you're using extract, it's coming from malt, so that we can make uh, alcohol and CO2 in our beer. All right, without fermentables, uh, we'd all be in big trouble because we'd be, you know, drinking soda and uh, and water our, our entire lives, and and there's nothing fun about that. So you need these fermentables. Now, what's important to know, and and we've talked about it uh, in lots of discussions here on the Brewing Network, is that there's a lot of unfermentable sugar out there too. And some of those things, um, they help your beer in, in certain quantities, and others you absolutely don't want. And it's really a matter of figuring out what's a fermentable sugar and what isn't, and what you want to leave behind and what you don't. And, and this discussion is, is designed to help us figure that out, uh, because sometimes, you know, y- you really don't want some of those unfermentable sugars in there, and, and like I said, other times you do. All right? So sugar... In essence, it's a pretty simple thing, but it is a compound. It's made up of, of, of many different compounds, uh, some of which are non-fermentable. And the degree and nature of non-fermentable compounds that's left behind in the beer actually determines some of the flavor characteristics that it's going to impart on your finished product. So what that means is there are sugars that are 100% fermentable. And they don't leave behind any flavors whatsoever. They're turned into alcohol and CO2. All right, and those are the sugars that we're that we're really getting our alcohol content from, and and not changing uh, the profile of our beer. Now, some of you might say, "Now wait a second, Uh, just by nature, the the." uh, conversion of sugars and starches into this alcohol and CO2 um, is going to produce byproducts that that uh, that uh, are, are inherent in the flavor of a beer. That's not true. It's actually functions of the yeast that will produce those byproducts. But the sugars themselves, it's a if it is a 100% fermentable sugar, it is not going to impart flavor on your beer. Now that's important to know because sometimes you just want to boost the gravity of your beer. You know, guys like you and me who feel like getting drunk every now and then. <laughs> that's just pathetic. Occasionally. <laughs> Occasionally. We'll, we'll like ourselves a big beer. Uh, and and maybe you don't want to affect the flavor profile of the beer while you do want to make it a 7 or 8% beer. And in those cases you, you, you do want to use sugars that are 100% fermentable. Now, there's a couple stipulations to that, which I'm going to get to uh, as we go through the discussion, because you can't just go throwing in sugar willy-nilly. you got to pay attention to this stuff. And by the way, willy-nilly is one of my favorite uh, phrases. I'm going to use it a lot. What does it even mean? I mean, it's like you can't, just, you can't just not think about it. You can't just throw stuff in not thinking about what you're doing. It's like the pop group Millie Vanilli? Similar. They didn't think about anything they were doing either. So, I understand. Yeah, it's very similar. So let me talk to you about the chemical makeup of sugar. 
All right, and it's important to know because this is how you're going to figure out uh, what sugars to use. Uh, common brewing sugars are actually they're what are called hexoses, and they're made up of a ring of five carbons and one oxygen. You know, we're talking about on the molecular level here, obviously, and a sixth carbon is actually attached to the side of the ring, um, often at one quarter. But uh, but in general, uh, they are they're called hexoses. And the simplest sugars uh, that, that are these hexoses are called monosaccharides, and they consist of one single hexose ring. These are things like glucose, fructose, galactose, and mannose. All right, you know, I got to remember all those names. Uh, glucose is a good one to remember. Uh, fructose is a good one to remember when you're uh, talking about fruit sugars, and we're going to get into that a little bit later too about how to add fruit to your beer as part of a fermentable process, and then of course flavor too. Uh, among other structural variations is the configuration of oxygen and hydrogen atoms attached to each carbon that actually the, they determine the identity of each simil, uh, simple sugar molecule. So it's really how these things are configured that is going to decide whether it's a glucose or a fructose or a galactose, okay, because they're all the same monosaccharides, uh, they just have this chemical makeup um, that varies and, and decides which one, you know, they are. All right. When two monosaccharides join together, they create disaccharides. Okay, uh, not a big deal here, but uh, these things are sucrose, lactose, and maltose. Now, if you don't remember anything I've said so far. I want you to remember maltose. Okay. Maltose is really important to brewers because maltose, it, it typically makes up about 40% of the total carbohydrates in beer. It's 40% of the fermentables that you want to get out of beer. All right? That's maltose. I'm going to remember that one then. Glucose, fructose, and sucrose, all right, they're also found in significant quantities but should be and are generally less than 15%. All right, any dramatic increase over 15% will actually result in a d d uh, decreased ability for yeast to process what you want it to process, which, like I said, is maltose. All right, so here's where we get to segue off into a little bit of fun, all right, because we're going to get to learn something uh, that, that maybe sounds a little more uh, reality-based than all this uh, fructose, lactose, sucrose, sucrose garbage that I'm throwing out at you. So let's talk about stuck fermentation. Very often, when your fermentation uh, is stuck, which basically means maybe it, it fermented for a little while and never fermented completely out, the yeast seemed to go to sleep and drop out um, You know, b before your beer was done. It still has a really high gravity. Now, there's your obvious reasons. You Maybe your temperature got a little too cold and the yeast went to sleep and, and things uh, of that nature, but... All things being equal, you're fermenting at the proper f uh, fermentation. You've added the right yeast to your beer, and you still end up with a stuck fermentation. Well, this is likely because your um, glucose, uh, fructose, and sucrose uh, have actually increased over 15% of your fermentable sugars. So here's what happens. Uh, and, and a lot of this is directly from John Palmer. He, he does a, a great write-up of this in, in just a few paragraphs. All right. And really what happens is that monosaccharides, um, the, the very simple sugars, yeast tend to eat first, okay? So before it gets to the maltose, that's the stuff you really want it to eat, it's going to eat other things like glucose and fructose and sucrose. It likes to eat those first. If the concentration of those things is too high, which is over 15 to 20% in your beer, um, pretty much anything over 15%, if it's too high, you run the risk of the yeast eating those and never getting to the maltose. I don't know if it's that it considers itself well-fed, 
and goes to sleep like I do when I'm stuffed, or if it's uh, just a, a chemical reaction. But but what can happen is if if you end up with too much of any of these things, glucose, fructose, sucrose, uh, in your beer more than maltose, uh, you could end up with a stuck fermentation. Um, you can see, like I said, John Palmer's for a real breakdown of this. Um, sucrose is table sugar. Okay, it's a very simple sugar. And if your yeast it has too much of that available, it's not going to get to the good stuff. All right. So I know I'm hammering that home. I just want you to know that maltose is the really good stuff. All right. Forty percent of your of your makeup. Are you following me here, Daniela? Absolutely. I'm with you. All right. I'm going to move forward. Uh, three monosaccharides together are trisaccharides. This isn't brain surgery here, folks. Uh, uh, maltotriose is one of them, uh, which is three glucose molecules together. Um, now, maltotriose is fermentable by all beer yeast. All right? I don't know why you need to know that, but it's in the book, so I'm telling you. Uh, melatose, which is also known as raffinose and, and melatriose, can only be fermented by lager yeast. Now, here's what I want to dock here for, because I want to ask him what impact that has on lager beer, that uh, only the the lager yeast can can actually ferment the raffinose, uh, uh, the melatose, rather. So maybe when he gets here, if he gets here anytime soon, I will back us up and talk about why lager yeast can eat those and, and what it actually does to the beer. Okay, so we'll find out what that means. Now, four or more monosaccharides joined together. Uh, John Palmer calls these, I, I, I'm, I'm assuming it's the uh, general scientific term, oligosaccharides, which just means a lot, basically. Um, and these are also known as dextrins. Okay, and dextrins, uh, dextrins I know from Jamil because he often talks about long chains of sugars that are not broken down, and he talks a lot uh, when you when you're when you're um, describing the body of beer of, of whether or not you have a, a dextrinous malt, for example, which is a much thicker malt that you'll get out of your mash. Okay, uh, dextrins are not fermentable by brewer's yeast. Black and white, folks. Dextrins cannot be fermented. By brewer's yeast. It's not that some brewer's yeast can do it and some can't. It's just not being fermented. Okay? Um, so, again, when Doc gets here, we're going to ask him uh, cases that we actually desire dextrins, uh, like when Jamil describes to us a dextrinous malt, uh, things like that. We're going to find out why and, and how we're going to put those in there and, uh, you know, what makes the characteristics of a dextrinous beer. How's everybody doing? Danielle? I'm doing great. Yeah? I'm hanging on your lips. What is the most important fermentable sugar? Maltose. Yes! All right. That's hot, huh? Very nice. Very nice. Glad that you got that. Thank I, you. I actually couldn't remember myself. I needed you to remind me. <laughs> That's fine. I'm the brain of this operation. Okay. Now, we're going to talk about flavors from sugars. By the way, this is going to be the shortest show in the history of... Because I'm going to get through this whole discussion. Doc's going to get here. We're going to give him a beer. We're going to go home. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be that. Sounds good. Because he's not even going to be caught up on the discussion. He's not going to know all of this... He information might. that I've imparted on people. He might know the one or the other thing. <laughs> you think he knows maltose? Maybe. <laughs> Hell, it's frozen over, folks. All right. As I said before, now we're going to talk about flavor- flavors from sugar. Fermentable sugars, if they're 100% fermentable, they don't leave behind any flavor. All right. They don't impart direct flavor impact. They're converted to alcohol and CO2. Sources of flavor come from the non-fermentable compounds that are found in these uh, monosaccharides and disaccharides and trisaccharides. Those compounds, um, uh, such as lactose. All right. Lactose is a good example. Okay. Let's talk about a form of uh, fermentable sugar that you can put in your beer that is uh, almost entirely eaten by your yeast and does not impart any flavor, and that is corn sugar. 
All right. The solids in corn sugar, it's almost 99% glucose. All right. Corn sugar, it's, when you talk about these compounds, you have to talk about the amount of solids that are in them. And it's really a, a very simple thing because they have solids and they have, uh, moisture. Okay. Now, the more solids they have, uh, the more of those compounds are either fermentable or non-fermentable. Okay. And in, uh, corn sugar, with with it, with its solid makeup and it has very little moisture on top of that the solids are 99% glucose now glucose is a 100% fermentable sugar the yeast eats it and puts out alcohol and co2 that's it so if you put corn sugar into your beer what you're going to end up with is a is a higher alcohol content a higher um amount of fermentable sugars, and not a lot of residual flavor when the yeast eats those sugars. So a lot of people might think, hey, if I want that corn flavor that you find in a Budweiser, now let me stop for a second and and say I don't know why the hell anybody would think that, but if you do want that corn flavor, you're not putting corn sugar in your beer to do that. You're actually putting in adjuncts like like rice or or even actually corn and, and, and maize and things like that. Those are adding that corn flavor. So, Daniela, you like yourself a good Pilsner. I do. Pilsners have a bit of a corn flavor to them. Now, it's not like eating the corn on the cob. That's not what I mean. But it has a, can you, can you think of a Pilsner? I don't have one to serve you. Can you think of a, of the flavor profile of, of a Pilsner and, and imagine that kind of a, that corn flavor? Yeah, I gotta memorize. That's not cause they threw corn sugar in there. Well, right? they couldn't. They, well, in Germany, no, yeah. because that would be wrong and evil and against the, uh. <laughs> against the tradition. That's your Okay. But, uh, so, so, I, I, my, my point here is just to hammer home that corn sugar would be something that you would add to your, to your beer in order to increase its alcohol content, but you would not be adding flavor like a corn flavor. You'd have to get that from adjuncts. Mm. Now, I want to give you the reminder. Just because you want to boost the alcohol content of your beer doesn't mean that you create a recipe of all your base malts and your extra malts and everything else that you want and realize that the gravity's not high enough, so you chuck a bunch of corn sugar in there. To make it uh, more alcoholic. Because you gotta remember what I said. Yeast is gonna eat these simple sugars like glucose before it eats any of the other things. And mm. if the concentration is too high, it's gonna eat all that glucose and it's gonna go to sleep. And you're gonna end up with a stuck fermentation. You're gonna end up with a beer that didn't fully ferment out. So if you had a 1060 or a 1070 beer and, uh, it ends up at 1050, guess what? It's not done fermenting. And you got a whole other host of problems in your beer now. You know, mainly that it's undrinkable. And you dump it. <laughs> well. You should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, other people dump it. If it's even got like half a percent of alcohol, I'm still, I'll give it a go. <laughs> really? Yeah, I'll still give it a little You're drink. You're sick. <laughs> so I want you to remember that just because you're adding these uh, these sugars, uh, like, like corn sugar, um, you, you can't add too much. You don't want these other sugars that we're going to talk about to exceed 15% of your fermentable makeup because if they do the yeast is going to go to sleep after it eats them and never get to the good stuff which is what? Maltose. <laughs> Maltose. That's right. <laughs> Dr. Scott, welcome to the Brewing Network studio. Oh my God. Tough day? <laughs> yes. It started early with no water. Yeah. All the pipes froze. Right. Uh, Sound with the neighbor dealing, dealing, dealing. Yeah. Guess what? It's about to get tougher. I'm giving a chemistry lesson. <laughs> I am. And I'll tell you what. I haven't gotten a phone call yet that says, shut up, douchebag. No. So I might even be on the right track. I think All you're right, doing good. awesome. Good, good, good. You have a summary underneath your outline there of what I've been talking about. Really quickly, Doc, I've already dis- discussed the chemical makeup of sugars, monosaccharides, trisaccharides, oligosaccharides. 
<laughs> Only a good. Thank you. Only a good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, I would uh, know. <laughs> we're already as far as, as, as the bottom of your first page in starting to talk about how, um, if a sugar is, is, is 100% fermentable, it's not going to impart flavors directly to your beer. You need, uh, sugars. If you want to impart flavors to your beer from the fermentables, you need sugars that leave the compounds right. behind that aren't fermentable. Yep. And that's what we're just about to start talking about. And I'm out of breath, Doc. <laughs> By the way. Okay. Good, so, good, good. All right. Now that we've gone through all that, and since there are no questions, and by the way, I told them not to send me any questions, because I was like, listen, I got my outline, and that's that, folks. If it's not enough... <laughs> it's just my ass hanging out there on the line. You're on your own. So uh, now what I'd like to do is, is since we've, we've talked about... Uh, well, let me have you do this, actually, before we move on to sugars that are going to leave these flavor compo- compounds behind. The only real example of a sugar I've given that is that is... Almost 100% fermentable that you can add is corn sugar. Right. What else is there that you could add to your beer? Uh, there's invert sugar, which okay. is uh, basically sucrose that they, they add things to it. Um, I think it's citric acid to invert it to a little bit different so it's a little more digestible. Yeah. Uh, most sugars are not too bad. Okay. Uh, if you put them in too much of a high uh, percentage, you're going to get some... Uh, that cidery, green apple-y kind of stuff to it. Yeah. So if you got a lot of other things going in, in your beer, yeah. and you put that in there, not so cool. Okay. Uh, I was uh, well, listening to uh, Vinny talk last night. Oh, yeah. And one of the things he said was uh, he actually likes to add uh, corn sugar to his uh, Pliny the Elder. Really? And most of his other things. Because he, he wants the beer dry. Okay. Uh, if... if uh, even two points to him is is ugly. So if he's at at two fourteen, at ten fourteen, he's, he's he's a little bummed because it comes out a little bit too sweet. Okay, and it takes away from the hoppiness. He says balance is uh, BS, basically. All right. Uh, he wants to have a a, a very dry uh, beer. So if he's starting out at ten seventy two or yeah. ten eighty three. Trying to get it, you can't have it at ten fifteen. Sure, he, he his magic number seems to be ten twelve. Ten twelve, okay. And to get it down there, he wants to have some extra fermentables that are going to be actually ferment down and not leave uh, that residual sweetness to yeah. it. Yeah. So, so he, corn sugar is his uh, sugar yes, of choice. For yes. Him. Okay. And uh, he was also talking about when to put it in. Okay. And he likes to put it in at knockout or just before. Okay. In the in the boil kettle. Uh, he tried to put it in, you know, later in the fermenter, and uh, with the one beers that he, that he was doing, it was an issue with that cidery kind of flavor coming yeah. through. And that's definitely something that both of these books I've, I've I've mentioned today that I've got my discussion from, both How to Brew and Designing Great Beers. It does talk about that. If you're using these simple sugars like that and putting too much of it in there, you are going to end up with that cidery kind of off flavor. Yeah. And you got to be careful. And now uh, the other part, Doc, that I that I was mentioning is um, that that the yeast will eat things like glucose first, and if their concentration Makes up say more than fifteen percent or so of your of your fermentables. Uh, you run the risk of a of a stuck fermentation because the yeast likes to eat those first and then go to sleep. Yeah, and this is a, a, again according to uh, w- what I've read from from How to Brew. So when you're adding corn sugar, like you're saying Vinny does to 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 boost that that uh, fermentable and get a dry finish, you still have to be careful of right. how much, right? Right. He's only putting in like he said. He only puts in so much. Otherwise, it tastes like. 
Dad's homebrew. That yeah, everybody remembers moonshine homebrew. Yeah, yeah, that that nasty little uh, flavor and nastiness. Okay, and uh, so you, you can't just keep you know put forty percent in. Yeah, and, and especially in, in the boil kettle, you just can't do that. That's right. Um, although I've I've tasted a lot of beers, Belgians mostly. Okay, that have a different yeast going in them. Okay, that you can actually put a lot in, but you got to do it incrementally. Yeah. And 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 now that is the difference too. You got to remember when we're when I'm giving you this basic discussion about the sugars, I'm talking about brewer's yeast. So there are tricks of the trade, obviously, that Belgian brewers and other brewers have used, where you're adding a, a, a different form of yeast that can break down some of these sugars that I'm saying brewer's and, yeast and, cannot. And they know their yeast, yeah. So they know what their yeast can do and how right. to do it. And I don't. And that's who this discussion is for. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> so we're talking good, good. Uh, just brewer's yeast. Now, uh, here's what I think we're gonna do. We're gonna take a real quick break. I'm going to make sure that Doc's up to speed with us because we're about to go into uh, things that you can add to your beer, sugars namely, that will impart some flavors and will leave some compounds behind and some non-fermentables, and you're going to get different things and different characteristics out of your beer from those compounds. And when we come back, we're going to talk about those. So uh, hang in there. I hope you're learning a lot about sugars. Uh, hell has frozen over, folks, here on the Brewing <laughs> Network, and I'm giving the lesson today. Hang in there. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Brewcasters. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Did you know that not only can you order from More Beer online at morebeer.com and receive free shipping on most orders over $59, but you can also shop in person at their two retail locations located in Concord and Riverside, California. In fact, the Concord facility has grown to over 15,000 square feet to fit all the new products, expanded showroom, and new knowledge center classroom. And now, in conjunction with the Brewing Network, More Beer is making it easier than ever to keep up on what's happening. Look for the all-new More Beer Monthly podcast at morebeer.com later in January. You'll learn about More Beer's history, sales and discounts on More Beer products, get to know team members, and hear coupon codes during the podcast to save you money. So go to morebeer.com or call 800-600-0033. That's 800-600-0033. And don't forget to check in later this month for the new More Beer Monthly podcast, a production of the Brewing Network. Rolls around, what's that sound? The voice of the brewing underground, I rush home. What's with the Abacast stream? Goddamn, it's almost time. Why don't you work? Fucking thing, it's 502. I reboot, ass hat, iTunes. I hope Justin made the free FM commute. I'm on, thank God, not a moment too soon. Holy shit, I just got booted out of the chat room. I won't crack, motherfucker, when you do your risk in 02. I'll hail the fucking Jay-Z. Do like you told you, do what you say. Well, okay, at least mostly. And hit that fucking whirlpool vibe roast. Sometimes I don't, and I won't, bitch. More than a little bitch. Violent, that sweet shit that likes like that arrow. Damn, I used to not group and fucking booth being rude. Boom, 
knows the blow off through the fucking toe chat. I want out, just in chat. That goes my chocolate stout. And I never want to hear the word run high skip about. I give up. 50G, why don't you push eject me? I'm screaming Gucci with D. Pushes me off the screen. Jamil, JB, Johnny G. I can't think, I can't think. But then I hear Doc's little voice in my ear screaming drink. Motherfucker drink, motherfucker drink. The World flock, there's no my box into the mask goes a burning crack like a true breeder. It's like a pale ale, my man, Boogita. Flooper, you beat a nerd. That guy's you just heard. The only man I know whose name is a cuss word. Come hanging with James, I'm a just and haggerty. And no one understands a word Daniela says. Either biscuit the pit bull or code right in full. Well, sniff your crack if you got the Jane hat. Do line itself with my hat. Go dip pound mass bed trans. Do a little fat and lunch eat some grass ass. And what about grass rot? He's more than just down the block. And then there's no grown cops. He's missing just like us. Yo, I don't know. I can't see. I can't see. But then I hear Doc's little voice in my ear. I could have mixed it with chocolate and vagina. It still wouldn't help. Drink! The Brewing Network. Saving your life. One beer at a time. All right. And we're back with the Hell Has Frozen Over show, where I'm giving the chemistry lesson and... Doc's just standing there watching. Doc's helping me out. <laughs> now, I'm, I am real happy. Doc's already picked up on some of the things that I wanted him to cover, and I said we'd come back to. Uh, so before we move on to these other sugars that we can add that are going to leave behind some flavor profiles, we're going to back up just a little bit, and I'm going to remind you that I was talking uh, when we got to uh, the different um, types of, of uh, sugars. Uh, we got to... Uh, trisaccharides, which uh, one of the ones that we mentioned was melatose, which is more commonly known as raffinose. Yeah, All right, exactly. And what I mentioned was that uh, raffinose it can only be fermented by lager yeast, and and that ale yeast can't uh, ferment those things. And what I wanted to know, Doc, is what does that mean then for our lager beers? Well, it's one of the ways that they can uh, they can tell uh, lager yeast from. Ale yeast. Okay. They'll put them in a, a solution of that and see which one actually can ferment this. Oh, right. And just an easy way to you tell. You can't really just look at yeast under a microscope and tell which one is lager yeast and which one's ale yeast. Okay. It, it's, it's. They're too not, similar. They're, they're too similar. So you really can't do that. But the fact that, uh, lager yeast can, uh, go ahead and ferment, uh, raffinose, is that that would make gives it that little extra cleanliness or that clean flavor ah, that okay. comes through, and uh, that's what they attribute the whole lager cleanness cleanness thing to. Okay, and, uh, so is that to say then when I brew an ale, since ale yeast can't uh, can't convert the raffinose, that my beer has raffin my ale has the raffinose sugar yes, left it, in it. Yes, and so okay, you, you will. Uh, 
find that to be a little bit sweeter. Okay. I was going to bring in, I did uh, two side-by-sides, and they were very light lager, um, basically warts. Okay. I did one with an ale yeast, so I wanted to do a uh, cream ale. Yeah. And I said, you know what? I have some lager yeast. Let's like throw that into the other batch. Okay. And it came out so nice and so clean. It's a low gravity thing mowed down to about 10.06. Oh, wow. And there's a big difference between what I put the ale yeast in, which is clean. Yeah. And it's just a little bit cleaner with, with that uh, lager yeast. All right. Now, this is great to know, and this is why I wanted to cover these basic uh, chemistry components, because it's easy for us to sit around and say, well, that's a really clean lager, or that lagers are a much cleaner beer. Yeah. But I've never been able to say why, and this is part of the reason. It's, it's, it is exactly part of the reason why this happens. Okay. And also, uh, when you lager something for a long time, yeah. uh, the lager yeast is really working. Okay. At that low temperature. Just not much, but it's still still cleaning things up. And it's keeping at that things like raffinose. Right. Okay. All right. Now, the other part that I wanted us to come back to are the four or more monosaccharides joined together, which okay. are the oligosaccharides, okay, um, and uh, otherwise known as, as dextrins. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now... I've uh, I've heard uh, Jamil and other people mention um, you know when they're when they're mashing and, and the malt that they're getting out of that a sometimes a very dextrinous malt. Yes. Okay. So that means then that what you've created or or what's been left behind when you mash or or even if it's in an extract that there are these four or more monosaccharides joined together that will not be broken down and eaten by yeast. Yes. That's what it means. Okay. Uh, the the whole thing uh, with the malting. And the mashing process is you're breaking these, that's what's in there, it's these long chain uh, polysaccharides. And you're not going to get any kind of fermentation out of it because they just can't eat those. Okay. They can eat just the end of it or whatever, they just can't do that. Okay. So uh, you use the, starts in the, the malting process, uh, it, huge, huge uh, polysaccharides, branch chain things, and then they break them down. Yeah. That's still not good enough. There's some, Fermentable sugars in it, but not that much. That's when you go into the mashing. Okay. When you and mashing is just a, an offshoot of malting. Okay. Once you get into that, then it starts breaking it up into like the two, the single, the two, or the three saccharide chains. Yeah. And uh, most yeast can can eat those up. It can then eat that. Okay. Anything that's left over other than that adds to mouthfeel. And that's adds, what I want to add. Adds to sweetness. That so, kind of thing. So, is that the effect of of dextrins being left? Uh, in in the wort is is a is a larger mouthfeel a thicker kind yes. of a beer that's what you end up with. Mm-hmm. What about uh, the flavor characteristics of a dextrinous beer? It gets that crossover part where you know sweet gets into thick. Okay, and what what is which and the gray area in between? Yeah. So at at one certain point, you're not going to get any flavors out of these long dextrins. Okay, but at the when they're at the lower end, you're going to get some. Okay. And at the other end, where you got, you know, some trisaccharides left and some uh, some longer chains, you're going to get that uh, sweetness coming through. Okay. And there's a little bit of a bleed over from one to the other. Okay. So you don't want to have too much of one and not enough of the other. So if I'm designing a grain bill, I'm putting that together, and I want a dextrinous malt to come out of there. Is there a particular grain that is that, that is particularly dextrinous that's going to leave dextrins in there that I would add? Uh, at that point, I would say it's more so you want to have uh, either in, in your grain bill, you're going to want to have 
like uh, carapils to add to it. Okay. Um, and carapils is one, by the way, that you can use in lagers as right. well because it it doesn't add a lot of color. No, it doesn't add a lot of color. It doesn't add any sweetness per se. Yeah. It just it just adds some body to it. Some body. Okay. So if you don't want to have a really uh, just a dry bone backless beer, you, you want to add into that one with that. Okay. So that'll that'll add to it. Uh, your your mash temperature plays a lot into this one. Okay. If you want to have something that's good. No, you don't, you're aiming for something that's not a very uh, beer. It's it's a beer with without a lot of mouthfeel. It's going to be thin, yeah, and it doesn't doesn't carry the malt with it. Uh, you're drinking water, kind of stuff. You, you kind of plan ahead of that. Okay. So and what not there a general rule where whereas higher temperatures will leave you with a less uh, a less dextrinous malt? No, higher temperatures more more. Dex- I got more opposite. Dextrin. Okay. Yeah. And a lower temperature is a less dextrinous. Yes. And really, so what's happening when you mash? Just just very briefly, because we've covered this before. With different temperatures, you're breaking these things down. You're you're favoring uh, the the alpha amylase over the beta amylase. Okay. With one or the other. And if you want to have uh, a more fermentable beer, something yeah. that's a little drier, that's going to have, uh, you know, basically a drinkable beer that flows past your palate a lot easier, you want to have it in the low temperature range. Okay. It, it, it actually cleaves more small uh, parts off of the big chains. Okay. And uh, the yeast can eat that more. When you go into uh, the high end, uh-huh. So you want like a big Scotch ale or something. It's got a lot of a lot of backbone to it. You want to mash it at the higher temperature, which favors the the other amylases. Okay, which eh, breaks it up a little different. Smaller, but still uh, not enough to where the yeast are going to eat enough of it. Okay. All right. Before we move on to the other sugars that we can add, uh, I have a few questions about some of the material we've covered. So let me throw those at you, Doc. And by the way, you now, too, can ask questions. 888-401-BEER or join Daniela in the chat room. Just hit the chat now button on our main page, and you can hand these questions to us as well. Dr. Scott, would you like me to take that propel out of your hands and get you a beer? No, I'm good. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> we do have a couple listener tastings, but we'll go easy on you, Doc. Okay, good. We'll do them later in the show. Okay, uh, here's uh, since we're talking about the the raffinose and the, and that that will be left behind in ales from the ale yeast. Uh, somebody wants to know: Is there a way to minimize raffinose in a wort so that ales will taste more lager like? Is that maybe the choosing of of grain or no? It has to do with um, the way the sugars are bound. Okay. Instead of a one six sugar, it's a one four sugar. Okay. And you really need to have uh, an enzyme that's going to break that one four. So rather than a one six. Uh, bond. So you're talking about the uh, carbons per to oxygen when you're saying one six or one four. Right. Okay. Um, both sugars are uh, hexoses. Yep. Or well. Unless you come into glucose, it's a it's a five and a six uh, chain together. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it when you're talking about uh, certain sugars, usually it's a one six, the first first carbon and the sixth carbon. Yeah. On the first and the second ring, and there's certain enzymes that can break that real easy. Okay. And, and it breaks it into a single uh, sugar. Uh, when you got raffinose, it's a one four. Okay. And you have to have a different enzyme that will actually break that down. I see. Or have, or just be able to, to break that bond. Okay. And then eat the sugar. So, is that to say then there really isn't a way to make your... Not in your less. mashing, no. Okay. Not really, or, or in your grain bill, no. Okay. Uh, if you can, you can find, uh, 
some of these amylase enzymes that you can get commercially that the big guys use. Yeah. That might help. Okay. Okay. Um, another question we have then is what about adding starches rather than sugars to, to boost your, your fermentables? That's fine as long as you add it into the mash. Okay. Uh, it, starches are just long-chain sugars. They're long-chain carbohydrates. Okay. So you need those enzymes early on in the mash to break those up so that you're, you're into simple sugars so your yeast can eat those. I see. If you put them in the boil, all you're going to have is cloudy beer. Okay. Uh, because when actually, once you boil, you've killed off all those enzymes, and they're not going to work anymore. Uh, enzymes are long-chain proteins that have a certain shape to them. And once you boil them, they unravel and they will never go back. It's uh, like that uh, egg that you've cooked. You can't uncook the egg. Right. And that's what you're doing. You're uh, denaturing those proteins. Okay. So What's done is done. What's done is done. So okay. you need to put them in early on. Uh, I know that uh, certain Belgian brewers will put starch in the cornstarch. But they put it in early. They'll put it in the, in the, in the mash because it's cheap. It's a cheap... Uh, way to put sugar in there. Okay. And once they get it mashed, the mash, the enzymes in the mash will eat eat those up and uh, break them up into small chains that were, are edible for for our yeast. Okay. So if I want to add starches to my mash, what am I putting in there? Is that things like wheat malt and cornstarch? Corn just just corn. So it's corn not starch. a okay. Generally cornstarch because it's cheap. It's out there. You can get it. Okay. Uh, well, I would kind of stay away from that unless you're doing like some Belgians, like triples and things. Yeah. And, hey, it might be worth a try. Yeah. Because it's not 100% convertible. Right. So you're going to get some mouthfeel with it too. Well, and that's what I've said to these folks. I'm, I'm giving you sort of this uh, chemical overview. And, and even as we move forward now, we're going to talk about these other sugars you can add that are, that are going to leave compounds behind. Um, and, and now that Doc's here, I can I can ask uh, how, how he's experimented with them. But I want you guys to use this discussion the same way I'm using it, and that's to get a general understanding and then go out and do it. Go out and add some of these things to your beer and find out what it does for you. And then you, too, can come on the Brewing Network and pretend you know about chemistry. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> That's good. Yeah. All right. So some examples of, of sugars that are not uh, 100% uh, fermentable. So your brewer's yeast isn't going to process everything. It's going to leave some compounds behind. And the compounds that are left behind are actually, uh, they are imparting flavor in your beer. And some of these you want and some of them you don't want. And uh, and how you choose to use the amounts of these sugars is, is going to depend on how much of those flavors that you want. So I've just kind of narrowed down a few of them that are commonly used uh, in in different recipes. Now one of them is brown sugar. Brown and by sugar. the way, brown sugar, which uh, a beer that Lagunitas makes, brown sugar, yeah. great beer. Exactly. Big beer. Big beer. And it gets you high at the same time as it gets you drunk. Yep. I've noticed that like uh, it's a different kind of a buzz that you get out of this stuff. <laughs> one of the things with that one is it's it's a lot higher alcohol than you think it is. Okay. Uh the brown sugar will actually boost the alcohol without boosting the body feel. Oh, I see. The mouth feel and that whole thing. Okay. Uh, so you're thinking you're drinking a pretty light beer. Okay. And you're not. Yes. Well, here's the deal. Here's the deal with brown sugar, just uh, so that you get to know. Brown sugar is essentially sucrose crystals, which is your table sugar, mm-hmm. um, uh, but it, but they add molasses to it. They coat it. They lightly coat it with molasses. Yes. it's uh, it's Molasses is one of those byproducts of uh, refining sugar. Okay. And so they get the white sugar out of there, and then they, they get left with uh, different degrees of kind of molasses. And they will actually put some back in to get your, your brown sugar. It's not uh, like the... 
turbinado sugar, which is raw sugar. It's, it's a little bit different than that. Okay. So, so what happens, and the reason that you need to know what brown sugar is made up of, you need to know that it's made up of these sucrose crystals, which your yeast is going to eat, and it's coated with this molasses, which your, which your yeast is not, not going to eat. eat. Exactly. And this then is the compound that's left behind in your beer, and it's going to impart some flavors. Now, some of the flavors, uh, I've not used it. I just did some reading. Uh, one of the most common characteristics I've read is it'll, it'll impart a kind of a light rum flavor yes. to your beer. Uh, I did a, a, one of our big brews, and usually when I go to a big brew now, I don't want to haul all my all grain equipment out there, so I'll, I'll usually do an extract or okay. extract of the grain. And I did one with uh, brown sugar. All right, it turned out excellent. Really, I put it in at the last part of it, and everybody loved the beer. I said, "Well, what's the, what's the secret ingredient?" Nobody could tell me. Okay, and it was brown sugar, okay. and just enough to where imparted a, imparted a flavor that was just just. What the hell is that kind of thing? <laughs> yeah. Well, and now, now the amount is what I want to talk to you about. I like that you say just enough to impart the flavor because is, is there a general rule? Like I said, some of these you just got to experiment with. Yes. But is there a general rule of, of maybe how much of your fermentable something like a brown sugar should make up? I, I would say five to ten percent. Okay. With that one, it's just enough to impart the flavor, and it, it'll boost the alcohol some. So be careful with that. If you're making a ten fifty five beer and you throw in some brown sugar at the end. And you haven't put that into the calculations, you're going to have a 1065 beer real easy. Ah, okay. And then you got to be careful because it, it won't ferment all the way down necessarily. Okay. And uh, you're going to have a pretty alcoholic beer. Okay. So, you know, it, you add that whole equation into there that uh, you're adding sugar. Yeah. And that's going to add your gravity points too. Okay. So a lot of this brown sugar is uh, fermentable. Okay. But the but the compounds that are left behind and this is all you need and they do impart quite a flavor to it and it's just and you want to be subtle with it yeah and uh, I've just it was amazing how good that beer was okay all right Uh, here's the next one on my list uh, and that is everybody knows uh, honey you've probably all tried a honey beer or two in your life and I'm not talking about mead I'm talking about like a honey ale Um, now honey is really it's a highly concentrated form of sugar and it has a lot of impurities in it. And it's the impurities that are going to be left behind to impart flavor in your beer. Now, when we had the mead guy in here, he talked to us about all the different kinds of honeys that are out there. So they're compounds that are coming from different pollens and and, and different everything. And and it's it's these impurities and the different characteristics that you need to pay attention to uh, because they're going to be left in your beer. And you can choose your honey for beer just like you you would choose your honey for mead. And what's left behind is the flavor you're going to get. Now, Ray Daniels has written in his book... That you could use any amount of honey you want in your beer. In my book? In in your book, yes. <laughs> but he does say, although at some point you're making mead and you're no longer making or beer. Or brag it. Yeah. Yeah. So, but he didn't exactly give like a don't go over 15% with your honey, uh, kind of a standard like he did with other things. I always think of honey as fermentable sugar, okay. period. All right. Uh, and when you add it in, it's going to make the beer lighter and more palatable. If you put in too much, you're going to have pretty much a braggot or too much of a, of a, of a honey flavor to it. Honey's a big deal with when you put it in, not just how much you put it in. Okay. So if you just want to have, uh, you know, you just want to boost the flavor and you got a whole bunch of honey around, you can put it in at knockout or, or boil it for 15 minutes, but you're not going to get a lot of those honey impurities that you're looking to pull if flavor you boil out it, you if won't. you're going to boil it. Okay. Uh, another way of doing it is put it right at boil out. Or uh, flame up, or the other thing is to put it in as fermentation is going. Put it in the in the primary, you know, boost 
boosted halfway through kind yeah. of thing. And then you have to treat it kind of funny okay. to do that. You, yeah, some people put it right in. They'll, they'll reconstitute it with water and then put it in there, which means you really got to deal with how much extra water you're putting in yeah. in on top of your beer because you're going to thin the beer out. Okay. Or you're just going to add sugar into whatever your beer is. Shoot low, and then you're going to add it back in. Uh, or or if you put too much water and, and uh, honey in, you're going to end up you know, basically watering down your beer. Okay. Uh, if you put it in later, you're going to want to figure somehow to uh, put it in and uh, sanitize it. Yeah. They talk about, if if you read about how to use honey, they actually talk about uh, kind of self-pasteurizing it by boiling it uh, for a while yourself, or heating it rather. But if you boil it, it, you're going to end up taking all those volatiles out of it, and it's just going to be sugar again, and you're not going to get everything you want out of it. All those impurities, So a lot of these guys that are out there, and they've got uh, local honey guys around, they can get honey real easy, and and it's that they want to put that local twist on their beer yeah and you really got to put it in in the secondary not the second but but halfway through the primary okay and usually what i do is i heat it up to about 140 keep it stirred mm-hmm. um even talking to some honey guys they even want you to keep it under co2 like a blanket of co2 so you kind of shoot some co2 over the the pot so as you're heating it you're as you're heating it and then you put it back in the oven and you leave it about 145 150 for an hour okay that, that's one way of pasteurizing it okay you don't really want to boil it and then add it back in okay all right great advice and then you're keeping uh those keeping compounds a lot of those, you want you're keeping a lot of those impurities that, that are actually going to impart that kind of sh- uh, honey into it. If you're doing orange blossom honey, you're doing wildflower honey, uh, tupelo honey, whatever you're doing, they yeah. all have different flavors to it. If you want to keep those flavors, you got to deal with it in a certain way. And you don't necessarily just want to dump honey into your beer. Okay. Yeah. And again, now this is something that you gotta you got to experiment with. I can hear the questions now. How much honey? How much honey? Go home and dick around with it. If you got... Um, Pro mash, I would stick around uh, ten or fifteen percent, no more than. Okay. Most of my adjuncts are. I try to stay around fifteen percent of anything. Of anything. Okay. And uh, this is an adjunct, or just like uh, think about it as adding corn sugar to it. Right. Which will dry it out. And if you want some honey flavors into it, you're going to dry it out. Add that back into your equation. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to have it too dry. Okay. Just have this. Uh, Bodyless kind of kind of beer that tastes a little bit sweet. Yeah, it's cool. It'll 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 ha- make some people happy, but not everybody. That's right. And, and that's kind of the if you get too extreme of one flavor or the other, that's going to happen yes. in general. So you got to have some backbone to it. Okay. Uh, figure out which uh, which beer you want to add it to, which would augment this, not be the beer for okay. a honey beer. Okay. I'm going to cover one more uh, additive type of sugar that you can use, and then we're going to, and then I'm going to back us up and, and take a few questions. Okay, uh, great. Because I got a, a whole list of questions, and, and then we'll we'll cover yet some more sugars that you can add. So the last one I want to cover before doing some questions is lactose, uh, otherwise known as milk sugar. Mm-hmm. Now everybody knows uh, some people are lactose intolerant and things like that, uh, but um, lactose is in beer anyway. It's 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 a uh, it come it's coming from a lot of the the barley based malts that you're using, um, but you can actually add lactose uh, direct. Um, now, lactose, uh, here's an important thing about uh, lactose. It is not fermentable 
by brewer's yeast. So the entirety of lactose is not going to be fermented by brewer's yeast. Uh, but that's a good thing because what it does is it remains in the beer to provide some residual sweetness, uh, like in a milk stout or a, or a sweet stout. Yeah. So uh, now... I, I definitely want to ask if you've ever done a, a sweet stout using lactose, but I also want to ask, uh, I'm a big fan of, uh, eh, you're going to make fun of, uh, cream ales, like a Boddington's type of a smooth, mm. creamy ale. Are they putting lactose in, the, in a beer like that, do you know? Or, or is that just a, a, something, uh, the smoothness you're getting from that and the sweetness is not a lactose form? Is it really well, only it's, used? it's English. Okay. And the one reason that they, they started using lactose is it's cheap. Okay. Because it, it's a byproduct from the milk industry. When they're making uh, milk products and think they have lactose left over, and they just want to get rid of it, ah. uh, so they'll they'll uh, process it out and they can use that. But a lot of people are uh, lactose intolerant, so if you're ever going to use uh, lactose for your stout, yeah, you better tell your friends because a lot <laughs> of them aren't lactose tolerant. Okay, and ask them, you know, do you like ice cream? No, I can't eat ice cream. Yeah. Well, then don't give them your milk stout. Okay. Uh, they're gonna have a stomach ache and uh, be cursing you on Monday morning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Most Northern Europeans kind of have that problem. You drank milk as a kid, but you grow out of it because you, you, you're lactose intolerant. Okay. Uh, but uh, I've always wanted to experiment a little bit and put some lactose in something and then put some lactate in there, mm-hmm. which is a lactase uh, enzyme to break, to break down. down some of it. I see. And if it broke it down, would then it would it then make some of it uh, it, edible? It, yes, yeah, so it, it would be uh, fermentable. It's yeah. not going to eat everything. Okay. So, and, and I don't know. I don't know what the uh, temperature range for lactate is. Yeah. Because, uh, it, it's probably body temperature since you're eating it. Yeah. And uh, I, I wouldn't mind seeing what what would happen with that. Yeah, that would be interesting. Now, what form do you get lactose to put in your beer? Does it just, just go to the home? It comes. Brew? It comes. It looks like sugar. It's white, powdery. And you just say, Give and me mo- some a lot of homebrew shops will carry it. Okay. All right, so there's no magic to it. You just no, give no. me some lactose. Yes. Okay, fair enough. And it's usually like a dried sugar form. Yeah, and that's why it leaves the ridges, resi- residual sweetness to it because yeah. uh, it's not fermentable by normal brewer's yeast. Okay. And uh, there's a lot of things that you have that aren't fermentable that add that sweet, leave that sweetness. Okay. Uh, 888-401-BEER is our number, and you can also join Daniela in the chat room to uh, ask any any questions that you have. And with that, I'm going to cover some of the questions, uh, so I'm going to just take a little break. I do have a, a couple more sugars to go over with you that are going to leave flavors behind, but I want to make sure we cover everybody's uh, questions here. Uh, first one is uh, somebody wants to know if we've uh, ever used a sugar called uh, jaggery. Is that what you have here, Daniela? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, okay. it's it's like it's a, an Indian sugar. Yeah, it's an Indian sugar. No, I haven't used it. It's it's uh, big in Mosher's book. Oh, okay, uh, that's it's, the uh, radical brewing. Book? Yeah, it's a raw type sugar, mm-hmm. uh, which has a lot of impurities into it, and he really likes it. He thinks it's really cool. This person said that he made a pretty damn popular IPA with it. Uh, says that it's a sh- it's an Indian sugar distilled from some kind of a palm sap. Yeah. So, uh, which is which would uh, kind of liken it with a maple syrup type of thing mm-hmm. too. Um, okay, but so, Moshe really likes. He goes on and on about jaggery. Really, in a couple different places in his uh, radical brewing. Okay, uh, book. Here now, here's another thing I've I've not heard of, which doesn't mean it's not common. By the way, uh, can you use sugar alcohols to ferment? It says like a uh, arabitol. He's saying. Do you know what? Do you know what this is about? I've never heard of a sugar alcohol. Are you sure you wrote this properly? I totally wrote that properly. No. That's what I said. Never heard of that. It says sugar alcohols. So never heard of that one. Um, Okay. 
Can malted rye flour be uh, used easily in the mash as a fermentable? Malted rye flour. You know anything about that? You one? should be able to put it in the mash and be fine. You should. Okay, that's what you want to know, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You, can put that you should be fine, but don't just put it in the boil kettle because it won't break it down far enough. All right, now here's a really good question. Uh, when you're adding starches to the mash, um, is there a way to calculate the gravity contribution of that starch? I would Google it okay. and, and see uh, what that's going to be. It depends on the, the starch. Okay. Probably it's not a, it's not a pro mash function though. No, and, yeah. it, and it, it's tough because uh, I don't know what your your source is, yeah, or what it's going to be pulling up. And if you're not, it's not a regular thing. Nobody's have put it through the lab to see what's going to happen. Okay, uh, it'd be uh, experiment and see how it goes. Okay, now here's one of those how much questions. Uh, oh, cool. We'll give a general answer, I suppose. Whatever we can do. Uh, person wants to know how much corn sugar you know would they use in a barley wine. You know, which obviously is going to be a, a nice big beer. Uh, would you exceed your fifteen percent mark for a barley wine, uh, or or still keep it below? That would depend on what I'm getting my uh, fermentables from. Yeah. If I'm getting a lot of extract, yeah, uh, with the barley wine, I probably wouldn't. Okay. If I'm doing all malt beer with barley wine, I I, I could see going over fifteen percent with that. Okay. Because uh, a lot of extracts aren't fermentable as far as you might think. Yeah. Uh, where you can kind of tailor your your um, your grain bill and your mash temperatures and things to, to get it down to where you want. Yeah. Um, if I knew what I was doing with, as far as uh, what my what was in my mash. I would probably I could go over that I, if I want to dry it out, not have a yeah, finishing gravity at ten thirty five or something. Yeah, uh, you're, you're not going to get it down there that far with all all grain. Okay. Uh, there's certain certain ways of getting enough extract out to uh, boil. Yeah, you, it's either going to be a long boil or you're going to do a double mash. I see. Where you just take the first runnings off of two mashes. Yep. And that'll that'll get it right there and then make some small beers off of the second runnings off of those two mashes. Okay. Or there's another way of doing it where you can uh, run off the first mash and collect that, take the grain out, Yeah. put new grain in, and use the hot liquor that is already uh, your, your hot wort, basically. Yeah. Pump that back in as your hot liquor. Kind of a pseudo-decoction. In that sense, yeah, right? kind of. It's it's a double mash. So yeah. you just use the, use the um, the runoff, which is already hot at your whatever temperature on new grain. You're gonna run into some issues because of concentration issues. Uh, try to extract that out, but it's one of the only ways you're gonna get a lot of extract out of that. Okay, without having to do a four hour boil. Yeah, and uh, that's still not gonna get you down your finishing gravity down as far as you want. If you do, you, if you put extract in. Your finishing gravity is going to go up. Okay. If you use regular, just plain sugar, it's going to keep keep that uh, finishing gravity down, make it more dry. Okay. A uh, clarification: the person with the arabitol, okay, alcohol sugar question, said that it's a uh, sugar used in low carb sugar stuff, like like low carb ice cream and shit like that. I guess that's what arabitol is. Yeah, I want to know that because I don't want to intake so much sugar when I drink a beer. You know, I'm concerned about that. Well, you're not. I mean, that's not the point here. We're not saying that you're that we're leaving a bunch of uh, sugar. We're trying behind. to figure out what's fermentable and what's not. Yeah, to leave just enough in to make it sweet and not really, really dry. Yeah, don't worry about it. You so are it not won't consum- have too much calories. The beer. 
Oh, it's going to have calories from other things. <laughs> yeah. It's it's going to be from what's the leftover carbohydrates that are in there. That your body will break down. But it is, for example, I know that the double IPA, for instance, I know that this beer has a lot of uh, a lot of calories. But because it has a lot of malt, not because it has a lot of sugar left in it. It just ha- it's, really? it's created with a lot of malt. So it's the other compounds Doc's talking yeah. about that are going to add those carbs. Uh, not necessarily sugar. Just because the, the yeast can't can only break down simple sugars doesn't mean your body can't. Mm. And so you break these things down, make them into calories, and woo, <laughs> become big. Yeah, yeah. You end up like me with man boobs. <laughs> okay, uh, someone wanted to know what about spelt. I know we've talked about spelt before. Spelt flour. Yeah. Uh, just use it like anything else. Uh, you can't if it's not malted. Mm-hmm. Uh, no point in using it okay. unless you're going to use it in your mash with other things. Is that a clean fermentable? Will it, sh- it should be. It's, it's it just like any other grain. Okay. Uh, and it's going to have complex carbohydrates that need to be broken down. Okay. You're only going to break those down if you have um, the enzymes in the mash, which means you see from – and you only get those enzymes in the mash from a malted grain. Gotcha. So – it, it, in any any level that's going to be workable anyway. Yeah. So you got to throw in some six row or some two row to actually convert the starches in the spelt to break them down enough to where the yeast are going to eat them. So you need the enzymes from the two and the six row right. to do any work on the spelt. Unless the spelt is actually uh, uh, been mashed okay. or malted. Now, while we're talking about that and the enzymes in grain, and, and by the way, we're going to do a, as part of this uh, extra things you can do with your beer series that we're, we're starting here, uh, we're going to do an adjunct and specialty grains. Uh, in Designing Great Beers, in, in Ray's book, there's a great list where he lists uh, he lists all the malts, and in particular, he lists a lot of specialty malts, and then at, he gives a description of them, and at the end of his description, like the last sentence of every description, is whether or not the malt has enzymes in it. And it's important to know because if it doesn't have enzymes, it can't break itself down. You have to add things like Doc is saying that right. does have enzymes in order to break it down. Unless it's already broken down. Or it won't be broken down at all. Right. And, and, and sometimes that's what you want. And Yeah. You're going to have the residual sweetness yeah. or a higher gravity. Yeah. Or you just it's uh, going to come out cloudy. But it's a cool resource to be able to, oh, to look great. at the grain and say, oh, that one has enzymes, and usually it has enough to convert itself, or no, it doesn't. And it's right. re- and it's so cut and dry you know, that even I understood it. If you're adding a lot of corn, doing a, a corn mash or something, it's going to need enzymes to break them down. Yeah. Uh, and that's why they use a lot of six-row when you're doing, oh, uh, an American ale or lager. Okay. Because it's got – it's. 40% corn. I see. And it doesn't have the enzymes in it. But uh, six row has a lot more enzymes than two row. So okay. that's why they use that. Okay. And it will help break all that down. Okay. All right. Getting back, that that kind of clears our questions for now. But if you have more, uh, join Danielle in the chat room and you can pass them to us or call 888-401-BEER. Uh, before we go to break, I'm going to cover uh, two more types of sugars. And uh, one of them, a, a commonly used one, and one that that uh, is really interesting for the compounds it's going to leave behind too, is maple syrup. 
Now, in order to understand maple syrup and how to use it, uh, just really briefly, y- y- in case you don't know, uh, you should know what it is. It's not it's, from the northeast. From <laughs> the northeast, it's just sap from ma- from maple trees. But what happens is um, that it only has about two percent solids in it, um, so it has to be boiled down in order to increase those solids. So they take sap from from uh, maple trees, they boil it, and they increase those solids uh, within within its solution from two percent to around sixty six percent. However. Uh, This is the interesting part. Uh, Commercial examples include a blend of what they've boiled down, and that blend that they put in is mostly corn syrup. And we've talked about what that would be. I've I've gotten uh, some maple syrup from friends that are just actually, you know, that 100% maple syrup from the Northeast. And it usually kind of sits there. The kids eat most of it, and and then but when I try to substitute out when we when we uh, Mrs. Butterworth runs out, yeah, they don't like it. Yeah, that's then it's because it's weird. It's weird. It's, yeah, it's I not like what it we're used to. I know I've read the label. I know what it is. Yeah. So I cool. That's nice. Right. But my kids just don't like it because it's not that corn syrupy sweet. Right. That's this maple flavored. That's right. So speaking chemically, here's why it's important to know that if you just go to the the grocery store and buy this commercial example of maple syrup and it and it's mixed with a blend of mostly corn syrup, what you need to know is that corn sugar that's in the corn syrup, it, just like we've been talking about, it, it's going to be eaten by by the yeast and it's not going to impart any flavor. It's it's like we said, it's corn sugar is like 99% uh, fermentable. So it won't leave anything behind cuz all of that corn sugar is mostly glucose and, and and provides nothing for flavor. So what you need to do is get raw or unblended maple syrup, like Doc is, is mentioning here, that's not been diluted. And it doesn't have any preservatives or anything else in it. Uh, you got to be careful. If you if you just want to add a little bit of maple uh, flavor and have uh, boost the boost the fermentables, kind of get a little more alcohol out of it and and lighten the full flavor. Yeah, just using Mrs. Butterworth to probably be fine. Yeah. yeah. I I haven't checked to see if it's got uh preservatives in it. Okay. <laughs> but if you want to get that maple syrup flavor into it, like Justin said, you need to uh get the raw stuff, yeah. the pure stuff. It's out there. It's it's just not right in front of your face when, That's right. when, when you're uh, trying to grab it off the shelf. And if you're in Canada, it, it, you know you're stoked because <laughs> that's all they have. Yeah, if you're like Eastern Canada, you're you're stoked. You can make some great maple beers. But the key here is is uh, again uh, in, in all of these sugars that we're that we're describing, it's the compounds left behind that are going to leave flavor in your beer, and that's why you need to know just a little of this chemistry. So so get the raw stuff. Now uh, in, in the books that I was looking at, they also made another point, um, and that's about when to use your maple syrup in the beer. And uh, what they're talking about is that a lot of that maple flavor um, can actually be lost during primary fermentation. Uh, and I guess it has to do with those uh, glucose and simple sugars being eaten as well. And, and, the, and the, the CO2 kind of scrubbing all these kind of light compounds out, it just blows them right out the top. Uh, that that, di- that, uh, that uh, bubbler on top right. of your thing is when, shooting out all your maple. you can smell that, say, mm, maple. Yeah, yeah that's bad. It's not in your beer. <laughs> yeah. So they had actually recommended that if you're going to use maple syrup to impart some flavor, you should add it to your secondary. Yes. You know. And again, uh, this is something you you not only want to use sparingly, but you you want to experiment with. I mean, how much how much maple do you want in your beer? Yeah. You know, that's up to you. And and I've done a maple with uh, oak too. Yeah. Oak and maple kind of go together pretty well. Yeah, that sounds actually uh, kind of a, just a real woody flavor. In general. Too much of everything. Mm, Bad thing. Not so cool. Yeah. Like masturbation. 
Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> so uh, you maybe want to add it during your secondary so that you don't lose those volatiles, you know, the maple flavor. And also, uh, they're mentioning that it won't inhibit the yeast because y- you need to remember that I said uh, if if glucose is um, uh, eaten first in large quantities by the yeast, it tends to kind of go to sleep and, and pass out like well, I Well, they're happy and they're yeah. done. Yeah. So uh, by putting it into the secondary, your yeast has, has pretty much done its work. and They're looking for something else to eat. They're, they're eating, eating their secondary compounds. They're eating diacetyl. They're eating other things and reprocessing them. That's right. Okay, so there's your maple syrup, and uh, now Doc, have you um, uh, have you done a beer with with maple syrup? Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. What I, have you done? I did a porter, maple porter. Ah, very and nice. it was it was pretty decent. Uh, I think I put a little bit too much maple into. It. I put it in the secondary, like you said. Yeah. And the, the flavor really came through. Okay. Uh, but you know, I think it was just a little bit too much. You got to be careful. You got to experiment a little bit. Okay. Now, a question has come through about maple syrup, too. They're asking about what grade is best to use. Now, when you're, when you're talking about maple syrup, there's two grade, there's grade A and there's, and there's, there's grade B. Now, John Palmer talks about the makeup of those two, uh-huh. the, the two grades. And, uh, I think what he recommends is, yeah, you'll get more flavor if you use the grade B. You'll get yeah. more maple flavor if you use grade B. That's what I've seen on most of the forums is try to use, uh, B, yeah, because it's not as refined, and you're going to get more of that mapleish kind of flavor coming through. Here's what he says: that kind of the reason is that grade B, grade B syrup can contain six uh, percent invert sugar, and grade A uh, actually contains less than one percent, and that's kind of where you're getting that maple flavor from. So obviously, you'd want to choose the one with the more I- invert. Well, sugar. whatever gives you. If you're putting maple syrup and you're putting it for the flavor, yeah, and you want to get more mapley out of it, and Every across the boards has always been B. All right, before I move on to the next sugar, we got a, a, a caller question. I think we got uh, Push on the line. What's hey, happening, push. push? Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, just uh, I, I'm giving a chemistry lesson here, Push. It's you good. Are, I, I have to say, I tuned in and I was thrilled, dude. Good show. Good job. <laughs> you thought you were tuned into a different network, didn't you? <laughs> no, no, uh, the sultry tones of yours can't be mistaken. <laughs> Thank you. All right, what do you got? Uh, by, a question by way of sugar. So all the sugars you're talking about now, you're talking about all of them in the boil. What about, I mean, can we prime with any of these if you're bottling, or are they strictly for, for boiling? No, well, corn sugar is your basic uh, sure. priming sugar as well. But I right. guess that's a good question. Now, could you add something like a like a maple syrup for a priming sugar, Doc? Yes, you can. Really? There, uh, like a maple syrup is going to be uh, fermentable, too. Uh, you can actually use liqueurs ah. to uh uh, for priming sugar, That's too. That's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just got to figure out how much sugar is in them. Yeah. And, and actually, Mosher's book is really good about uh, how to figure out how much sugar is in that liqueur you're adding and how much. Oh, sweet. And that'll... Sweet. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's, a, there's a way of, of figuring out how much is going in. Okay. So as long as you're ending up with the same amount of fermentables as you would if you just threw corn sugar in, right. then you're in good shape. Yeah. So which uh, pr- uh, radical brewing? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, did you, you said Mosher's? Yeah, yeah Radical, Radical Brewing. Brewing. Exactly. And he, he, he goes into using liqueurs for actually priming. Nice. Which I is, really like that idea. Yeah. Have you done so like that yet? Uh, not yet, or, no. Yeah. What's that push? So honey or molasses, or did, and did you touch on treacle? Not yet. Oh, is that the same kind of thing? Or? Uh, treacle's along the lines of molasses. It's right. treated a little different way in how do they get it. Which we're about to cover, too, molasses. Yeah. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Jumping right. the gun again there. Damn you. Sorry. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Push. Good night. 
Uh, Okay, which which will actually let us move on to uh, molasses. Now, uh, uh, according to uh, my reading, molasses actually has the most flavor uh, imparted from impurities. Mm -hmm. And that's because molasses is made uh, basically from sugar cane. And the unfermentables, you know, like the whole whole sugar cane itself is kind of thrown into the molasses making process. Yeah, they they with the way they uh, process the whole thing. Yeah. I always wondered you know, why they burn the sugarcane fields. Yeah, uh, they let them go two years. Okay, and the whole two years they get weeds and everything else in there, but the sh- the the water content is so high in the sugarcane that they will just burn the field. Yeah, and it burns off all of the weeds and everything else out of the field. It leaves just the sugar cane. Really? Then they go and they take. Then they can harvest and they harvest all that that cane uh, sugar, especially in Hawaii. And then it, they'll pull it through. And then they would ship it over here to Crockett. Oh the, yeah, I used to live in old Crockett. Yeah, and uh, they would ship it in big ships. They would uh, boil it down to have this uh, kind of sappy stuff, and then they'll uh, process it over here in Crockett. Yeah, one of the only places left on the West Coast that actually does cane sugar. Are they still doing it? I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know either because the factory just kind of sits there. Yeah, and it's right on the water. They would just pull the ship up and pump all that stuff out. And when they're making their white uh, table sugar, the stuff that's left over is the molasses. Aha. Uh-huh. And the, just like you got down here, it's uh, they have light, medium, and black strap. Okay. So we're gonna have different different. Mm, Modes of how much uh, molasses is uh, imparting the flavor in there. Okay, I got Mrs. Henning. Mrs. Henning, you got to hang on the line. I, I know we want to talk about Bub's tattoo, and I do too. But I, uh, I'll do it just before the break. You do. Oh, I'm sorry, not Bub's. Mr. Henning. Mr. Henning's tattoo. Mrs. Henning and Bob know. Sorry, I'm used to the people doing dumb things being Bob. <laughs> not Mr. Henning. Mr. Henning's such a nice man. I'm not used to it being him. I love he's getting a Berg Network tattoo. Hang in there for me, okay? I don't want to interrupt this discussion. People get angry if we're on a roll and then just sidetrack. So let me finish. I've only got this. We're just talking molasses here for a sec, and then we'll talk about uh, tattoos. <laughs> we'll take a break. <laughs> we segue right into tattoos. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about fruit. So, um, uh, again, just kind of wrapping up the, the molasses part two. Uh, it has the most flavor from impurities left behind, and it's available in basically kind of three grades, and that's light, medium, and black strap. Uh, don't ask me why they call it blackstrap. I don't either. <laughs> I, I probably something from the south. Yeah, you know? right. Something very, very strange. Um, but anyway, it's in, it's uh, the three concentrations, and it goes uh, sort of chronologically from light, medium, and blackstrap. Uh, blackstrap having the most uh, flavor right. left, be- flavor compounds, impurities uh, left behind. Light having the least. So you need to know kind of what you're going for. And when, what, well, and when you're actually going to buy it, what's available too? Yes. And uh, I've only seen Blackstrap once, I think. Now, is around. this something you find on the shelf? Doc? Usually, yeah. Okay. Uh, you can find that or you can find it in specialty shops. Of course, we have the internet now, so I'm sure you can find anything you want. Yeah. My computer's you know, breaking that, on me at the know, moment. You want to order some you know, medium molasses and a blow-up doll? Fine. <laughs> yeah, you can find it. <laughs> Soon to come to the Brewing Network store. <laughs> yeah. Molasses. If you buy now, you get a free blow-up doll. Yes. <laughs> you keep shopping with this. Uh, yeah. With this customer. Now, the thing about uh, molasses is um, another description of uh, rum-like notes. If you use it, um, well, that's what rum's made from is cane sugar. Okay. And uh, usually uh, less uh, 
treated sugar. Yeah. So it's going to have a lot more molasses in it. Okay. And that's what rum comes off of. And when you, when you, yeast goes through, uh, the fermentation with, uh, cane sugar and, and uh, molasses, you're going to get that, that signature rum flavor. Okay. All right, there you go. And it also... Not that I put that down at all. <laughs> yeah. And it's going to leave you uh, uh, also with some kind of residual sweet flavors, too. Yes. It's not just the rum, but actually with some some sweetness. Because there's a lot of Im- impurities in the molasses. Yeah. So uh, it's, these impurities are the ones that are going to give you that flavor. Right. Along with it's got some sugar in it still, so it's going to be able to ferment it, too. That's right. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take this call from uh, Mrs. Henning, and we're going to talk tattoos for a second. But I do have one more sugar to cover. And and this, by the way, isn't a comprehensive list, of uh, obviously, of all the sugars you can use. I just uh, kind of took uh, six of the, the very common ones. And we're going to cover fruit after the break. And that one's actually going to lead us into a, an entire discussion about how to use fruit in your in your beer as well. Shouldn't we save that for lunch, mate? <laughs> we did. We cover fruit every week on Lunch Me. And okay. We're just going to cover it scientifically on this show. <laughs> uh, Mrs. Henning, pleasure to have you on the line with us. How are you tonight? Fine, and you? I'm doing great. I'm sorry to leave you waiting. I'm just, uh, you know, uh, you can call me Professor Justin for today. <laughs> <laughs> the prof. Yeah. I'm just being silly. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, Mr. Henning's uh, Brewing Network tattoo here. Yes, he's going to get it on Wednesday. Is he really? Where's yes, he going to get is. it on? All right, listen, I want to, I, now, I just want to talk seriously for a second. Because as happy as I am, and that this man is getting a Brewing Network tattoo, I want to make sure that the two of you know what's happening here, and that you're <laughs> entirely comfortable with getting a Brewing Network tattoo. I mean, you realize how permanent this thing is, right? Yes, he realizes that. And 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 it's and now I want to like what's his thought process? Is he just you know real dedicated to the thing and 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 loves it? I mean I don't I'm just nervous that he's going to regret it. I just I want to know if he's got a backup to say when people say what's that B N thing? <laughs> what is he going to tell him? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, are you sure he's real comfortable? Um, he's pretty comfortable with it. And and Me, how, how, I'm not so sure about it. You're not too sure. <laughs> <laughs> how big are we talking? Is this going to be like the size of his back? Um, I'm not for sure how big he's really I wanting see. it. I mean, it's a cool logo. I'm not saying it's not going to look cool. I just right. want to make sure. I just, I would hate to get a phone call saying, listen, I really regret that I did that. Not <laughs> Mr. Henning. You've met him. I know. He's pretty, he's hardcore. He's cool. Yeah. He's just, he's just so much cooler than you are. <laughs> cooler than Justin. <laughs> now, uh, where's he going to get it, Mrs. Henning? Um, he hasn't decided yet. He thought about either one of his arms. Yeah. But then I decided, I suggested like maybe his back or like yeah. the back side of his calf. Oh, uh, there you go. I like the calf idea. Yeah, but that's what I thought. I like but. butt cheek. <laughs> that way Ro- Roger will only see it. Yeah, then only Roger will see that. <laughs> I like the calf idea because it's subtle. You don't have to look down there, you know. But if you right. do, you can see the BN rolling around. Yeah, and he said if he got it on his back that I would have to cut out the shirt just so he could get it <laughs> We could have a special Henning shirt yeah. available here. Exactly. And we could sell it online that it's the Henning model. And it has a, it has a cutout. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I was like, well, if you're going to have it on your back, then you know you're going to have to shave your back hair. Yeah, that's well, true. That's a given. That's true. But, you know, he should probably be doing that anyway. He's yes, pretty, he should. 
He's pretty furry back there, isn't he? <laughs> He's a little bit furry. Yeah. All right, in case you don't know what we're talking about, uh, Mr. Henning, uh, not only being a, a hardcore uh, member of the BN Army, but uh, also dedicated to the cause of, of Linda Stark. And uh, when we were doing the fundraising and, and putting up different crazy things that we would do, Mr. Henning said, hey, if you guys come up with X amount, I'll throw down a BN tattoo. And now he's now he's keeping to his word, and he's doing it. So I have respect for that. It's a lot of respect. Now, listen, I don't want... i got to send you the official logo. You see what I'm saying here? I don't want you to take it off of the website and have it be like some distorted version. Right. Now, it does look like like it's on the website, but let me send you a high-quality image of our logo that he can okay. give to the tattoo artist. Okay. Because the worst thing that could happen is this guy goes, he gets a great tattoo at the VN, and it's like the wrong one, <laughs> you know? I mean, right. that, that'd be awful. So you, I'm kidding. I, I will send it tomorrow morning, all right? All right? I'm writing myself a note. Hang on. Send. I was thinking bobbleheads. Send <laughs> that tattoo going. And he's not the only one getting a tattoo. Uh oh. Really? Uh oh. Are you doing it too? I'm getting my first tattoo on Wednesday too. Is it a Brewing Network tattoo? No. Oh, who cares then? <laughs> <laughs> what are you getting, Mrs. Henning? I'm getting a, a wolf paw print on the top of my foot. Oh, on the top of your foot? Yes. Wow, I've never seen a tattoo that's there. That's cool. It's yeah, better than on your forehead, that's for sure. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Because that would just be stupid. But <laughs> on your foot, that's cool. Yeah. That's, an, that's an old Navy thing is to put a chicken on one foot and a pig on the other because those are the two things that can't swim. Ah, right. And so it's an old Navy thing. Is Keep to you to out of the water. Put tattoo, yeah, put the tattoo on the top of the feet. Yeah, I like that. I'm going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen you in the water. <laughs> you're true. never going to get one. You're going to cry because it hurts a little. <laughs> so you guys are going together to get these yep. tats. Yep. Have wow. you researched your tattoo artist? Yeah, he's a friend of the family, so he's Uh-oh. done quite a few. Okay. All right. Well, you got to send us pictures then. Oh, yes, yeah. We will. Oh, I'm putting Mr. Henning all over the website. You yeah. kidding me? <laughs> you should. He's going to be on our new brochure and everything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we got to show people how dedicated our family. Yeah. I mean, you name. I don't even know of. Uh, I don't even know of a television show of people out there <laughs> tattooing logos on themselves. It's true. Yeah. What's that? That. Not t- for free. Anyway. No, that Miami Ink. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's different. <laughs> <You know. laughs> They're only putting tattoos on their body. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, how about uh, while it's going on, you guys can call into that lunch meat line. Yeah. And we can. Oh, no, you're doing it when? Oh, yeah. We got the uh, the, we the the line. We can you. Know, Call it in, and we can listen to Mr. Henning scream. Yeah. <laughs> oh, doof, doof, doof. You think he's going to cry, Mrs. Henning? Uh, probably not. He's already had two tattoos. So. Oh, he has? Yeah. Okay. Then it doesn't even hurt all that much. make it really big so he does cry. You got him yeah. right there? Do it. Y- is he right there? No, I'm still at work. I'm just about ready to leave. All right. I want to know how big this thing's going to be. It's going to be on his arm, I thought, right? No, she's saying he's not quite sure. Maybe yeah. the arm, maybe the back. Yeah, I don't know how big his calf is. Oh, or his calf, yeah. I really am curious. I mean, I want to know how big this sucker's going to be. <laughs> so I'm so fascinated by this. What a cool guy. All right. Well, thank you for the call and, and you know, for the tattooing allowance. That's awesome. All right. Make sure he, I'll, I'll send it tomorrow. He cannot get it unless I unless he gets that logo from me. Okay. All right, Mrs. Henning. Have a good night. You too. Right. Bye. Bye. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Entertainment you want. <laughs> What the hell is that? Yeah, why not? Just play it randomly. Information you need. My whole system just broke. The brewing network. Look at your brain. When we come back, we're going to cover fruit. 
And at the end of the show, we're going to recap. And uh, we also got a couple of listener tastings to do. We'll be right back. Nice. Hang in there. Good. want to go home tonight.
to three guys. Excuse me. What about me? Yeah, sorry. You're listening to three guys and one girl use a radio show as an excuse to drink more beer. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Yeah, welcome back to the Brewing Network. The Hell Freezes Over show. 888-401-BEER is our phone number if you have any questions. And uh, you can also, of course, join Danielle in the chat room and she'll pass your questions on to us. Today we're talking about uh, sugars, uh, fermentable and unfermentable, and why you'd want to be using those in your beer and also why you wouldn't want to be using them in your beer. And we're about to uh, cover the last kind of sugar that uh, we're going to be covering for today, and that's going to uh, shoot us into a discussion about fruit and and how to how to how to use it, but first uh, we have a listener tasting. I'm trying to stay on top of these things, and uh, one of our listeners, Jamie, is that, uh, is that your New Year's resolution? Stay on top of the beer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> people send us beer and don't just like sit on get to it. Get to it, even if we can't fit it in the show. I'm fitting it somewhere. Yeah, good. Now, Jamie, otherwise known as Brew Crew, uh, sent uh, Daniela a package uh, for her birthday and. Doc, you're gonna you're gonna like this. You better. I know you don't feel like drinking right now, but I'm oh, sure I do. Okay, good. Because he <laughs> sent us the man sent us a box of New Glarus. Me, a box of New Glarus. Doc's, Doc's mouth just like hit the floor. I told a brewer about Holy this. Holy! Sh- oh my god! Yeah. I told a California brewer about that. You guys know he's been on the show before. Can I get up and dance? And he goes, it's radio. <laughs> yeah, I know. He said the same thing. And this is a professional brewer. He's like, really. You're going to invite us over for that, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and so he sent us this box, and they also put his home brew in it, which we're going to taste in a minute. And I just I want to thank uh, Brew Crew. We were so excited. But both um, Everybody who sends us beer, our, our heartfelt thanks goes out to. And occasionally we get our, our favorites sent to us. And and then not only our heartfelt thanks, but our oh our, like jizz-filled oh. thanks <laughs> goes out to you, too. Yeah. Uh, New Glarus is one of them. Yinzer sent us a box because of sour beers. Because we can't get... New Glarus out yeah, here. Exactly. Kind of like you guys in Russian River. That's right. It's exactly. And a lot of the sour beers that Yins are sent, I've, I've not been able to get to. And so just two fantastic packages. And I covet some of these gifts so much that last night I had a dream <laughs> that uh, we were doing a show here and we had a couple guests. I don't even know who they were. They were like blank faced guests. And I said, Oh, you know, the beer fridge is out back. Go ahead and, and grab a beer. And he comes back and a little time goes by and I notice that he's got a new Glarus in his hand. <laughs> and I get all freaked out. I'm like, I'm no. like yeah, I'm like, shit, I didn't, I didn't put it aside so that people wouldn't yeah. know, don't touch the fucking yeah. new Glarus. Well, just to give Justin props, he's, he's actually really good about, uh, when you guys send beer, he puts it in there, puts it to the back and said, don't touch that. Yeah. Even though it's been sitting there for six months, don't touch that. And it's he true. keeps it cold. And on top of that, uh, Danielle and I don't uh, go like, hey, it's... it's oh, we're out of beer. What can we drink? That's right. They we always don't. we go, we got to wait for Doc because we need to share some with Doc. And, and we make sure we share the wealth. Yeah. But I had a nightmare that someone took our new glare. <laughs> yeah, that poor guy was sweating His face and was blank, screaming. but his beer wasn't. Yeah. So let's do this real quick so that we can finish our, our discussion today, too. Brew Crew also sent one of his homebrews, but he didn't send any documentation with it. No, he just sent us a letter about the new glares. About the new glares. So uh, I don't know what it is, Doc, or, or how it's uh, what, what's in it, but we'll taste it anyway and see what we got here. And I got a couple of other. Uh, we're going to finish all our tastings 
by the end of the show here. Stouty. Uh, some leftovers. It smells great. Stouty. It does smell great. And it smells a bit fruity. Is there fruit in there too? No, it's just no. the it's the stout. Is it? Okay. Oh, it's a nice stout. It is. Dry. Dry, very dry. A good dry stout. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. Nice job. Good head on it still too. I mean I poured yours a little while ago, Doc, but mine's yeah. still hanging I mean, around. It's they can pull it up and like just shake it a little bit like that. And it goes right back. And then you get a better smell out of it that way. This is a really nice beer. Very clean. Yes. Any criticism whatsoever that he might want to improve? Nope. Nothing, huh? No, it's, it's a very <laughs> no. Ni- no, it's a very nice stout. Yeah, I got a criticism. You only sent one bottle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, there's, there's, there's your criticism right there, buddy. There is more, though, Doc, if you'd like a little well, we more. Got, I got three other beers in front of me. We're going to do those at the end, though. So uh, I'm not going to get to those. The right end? Now. The BN? The end of the BN. So uh, it's 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 good stuff. Got a caller about Nuglaris. Uh John Foster's on the air. What's happening, John? Hey, how's it going? It's going real well. Good. You want to talk to us about New Glarus? I have a story about New Glarus. Do it. So I was, uh, I dread traveling in the, in the, uh, uh, holidays during Christmas and Thanksgiving. And turns out my sister lives in Wisconsin and she found a whole bunch of New Glarus cherry and raspberry at her local. Ah. Oh my. And so she said, come home for Christmas and you can have all the beer. Really? Yeah. So you went home for Christmas. I went. I got on a plane. I got on United. I braved the no-fly list that I'm on and everything. <laughs> yeah, they got you tagged. Yeah. They do. Well, they, you know, the, the only good thing about being on the no-fly list is that you can jump right to the front of the line. <laughs> That's very nice. Yeah, they got a short line for you. Exactly. Yeah. I, yeah, short bus, short line, right? Same thing. So what do you got? You got a fridge full of New Glarus now? I have a fridge full of New Glarus. Oh, I'm, I'm, he lives like, close, too. Yeah, and I'm pretty close. I could drive there and bring more, but I'm not going to today. No, that's all right because I don't, we're not really going to drink ours today too either. I actually think now I'm thinking we should have a new Glarus party. Oh, exactly. You get some brewers over. Everybody who like is craving this stuff like yes. we do, and uh, get you over here with yours. We'll have a new Glarus party. That's perfect. <laughs> all right, John. Thanks for the call, brother. All right, see you. take care, Doctor Scott. The listeners want to know more about the stout that we're tasting right now. Okay. Some yeah. characteristics of I mean, the first thing, it, it's really clean and dry. So it's a nice uh, example of a dry stout. What well, other characteristics do you pick up? The first thing is you, know, you smell it, and it's, I don't detect, detect any staleness to it yeah. at all. Uh, the head comes up real nice, and it, it's, it holds a nice, creamy, thick head for quite a while, Yeah, which is really nice. Uh and by the way, I was completely wrong about that when I said it smells fruity in the beginning because in the taste, there are no fruity off no. flavors whatsoever. Um, it could be a little more roasty, if anything. Okay. But not a lot more. I like, uh, you know... It's a little cold, so it's it kind of hard. It's cold, so cold. Yeah. You yeah. know what? That fridge isn't even on. It's unplugged. Because well, it's 32 degrees outside. Yeah. It's unbelievable. That's a very nice stove, really. why I couldn't take a shower this morning. <laughs> I thought something stunk in here. Yeah, it's not. Uh, you know, what's great about it is that it doesn't have that sort of acidic astringency that it no. that's easy to put in a stout. It's yeah, not, it, it doesn't it, have it, that it, at all. It doesn't have the astringency like too much roastiness. Yeah, you want a little bit. Okay, so that's why it's so easy drinking. Yeah, great, great beer. We're gonna brew a stout next time. Well, we have a porter right now, so mm-hmm. um, you know, we talking to Vinny last night. Uh, he was having trouble. I said with his stouts. Okay. The one stout that they have, you know, it just wasn't where they wanted it to be. Yeah. And they effed up. And they 
they let the, uh, I guess the glycol went a little ugly on them, oh. and it got down to 48, uh-huh. and so stopped fermenting. Okay. It just kind of got a stuck fermentation. So, okay, well, we're going to heat it up a little bit. They heated it slowly. As soon as it got to 52, it started fermenting again. Really? Cal ale. Oh, that low. And, it waited, and they just let it go at 52 or 53. Yeah. This is the best stout they've ever had. Really? Yeah. I bet it was just really clean. Yes. And none of those fruity. It, 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 that's what's on tap at the uh, tap house right now. Okay. It, it, it's awesome. Well, all right. Good for him. That's a good... See? So, Sometimes the mistakes are the best well, thing to What happen. opened my eyes is like, oh, cool. Calliola will we'll go down that far and still ferment. Yeah. We'll go to sleep. Well, plus, you got to consider the size of pitch he must have used, too. I mean, it's got to be a lot of yeast in there. You know, see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I think if I just pitched a vial of Cal Ale and put it at 52, I wonder if it would ferment, as opposed to a nice big starter. We're talking you? <laughs> well, temperature <laughs> temperature, whether I'm doing it or I not. I don't know. I think the, the brew gods have something to do with you. They're pissed at me. <laughs> as, as much help as I... Wait, wait, what do I do for the brewing industry? I talk about beer. You yeah. do. <laughs> and, and you drink a lot of beer. And they're pissed at me. Yes. Bastards. <laughs> they don't want to give you that that third thing. Like, you talk about it, you drink a lot, but they're not going to let you brew. They it. don't want me to touch. Yeah, don't just don't brew <laughs> yeah. it. Make it ass hat. Yummy, good beer. Thank you very Great much, work. Brew Crew, for sending that in. It's a it's a real drinkable stout. It's not real roasty or, or really really dry. It's real balanced. Balanced. It's, it's midstream. Uh, people that think oh ick, dark beer would like this one yeah. too. Yeah. Absolutely. People that shy away from that. The perception is so wrong of dark beers, really. It is. Expect something very bitter, and you get something so yummy. That's right. It's good. All right. So thanks again. You too can send your beer into us if uh, if you want us to try it out. Just got to make sure you label every bottle with what it is, and uh, right. send me an email. I'll give I mean, you the we, we can't tell you exactly if it would fit into a certain style. If we yeah, don't, know you, what it is. if you wanted to have a you know a Irish stout, it's probably not that. Yeah. Um, if it's a milk stout, I'll let you know tomorrow. Yep. 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 <laughs> yeah, Doc will be sure to let you know yeah. how he's feeling tomorrow. All right, let us uh, take our, our final part of our discussion into the, the last bit of sugar that I want to talk about. And, and first we're going to uh, you know, talk about the actual sugar that you're getting, and then we're going to talk about the different ways that you can use it. Now, uh, what I'm talking about is fruit. Now, the sugar in fruit is fructose. Easy to remember, yes. right, Doc? Yes. Fruit, fructose. Very easy. Just like uh, the primary fermentable sugar in your wort is maltose, and it's going to make up about 40% of your of your fermentable sugars in there. Easy to remember because it's got the word malt in it. and Maltose. <laughs> maltose. And fructose, very easy because it's half of a fruit. Fruity. Much like JP. Fruity. Half of fruit. Yeah. It's a, actually <laughs> a, a hexose and a, and a pentose. Uh, it's got the other ch- uh, different yeah. uh, chain in there too. Yep. Okay. What's a what's a pentose? It's a, a five chain sugar, five five chain ring. Okay. Instead of a six ring, like a, glu- a glucose is normal sugars. Yep. It's a six carbons, six carbons, one in, in a ring. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, a pentose has a, a pentose has five five carbons. And this is one oxygen. One of one of six and one of five. Joined together, and that, that's what makes the, the that's what makes fructose. it fructose. And you need uh, that enzyme to break that chain. Ah, and otherwise it won't be fermentable. Right. Okay, interesting. So fructose is only fermentable if an enzyme breaks right. the chain. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Uh, for obvious reasons, so some to- things can eat it the way it is, but those are things you don't want in your beer. Ah. Gotcha. <laughs> not not brewer's yeast then. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if you want to use fruit as an added fermentable, uh, you got to put it into primary fermentation. Is that right? 
If you want to add the sugar quality to it, but yeah. you got to ask yourself when and why. Which we're going to talk about. But if you want to boost your gravity from it to actually get more, you know, residual like alcohol out of it, you'd have to put it in primary fermentation. Put, put it in the primary so it's going to eat that. On, on the on the other hand, is you, you got to add that back into the equation. Yeah. If you're going to just add fruit to your already high gravity beer and you you didn't want to have a ten percent beer, yeah, you're probably going to have it. That's right. You can add it into the secondary and it's still going to ferment again. Yes. Do you want to know what else I know, Doc? What do you know? I know that fructose is an isomer of glucose, but sweeter. I don't know what the fucking isomer is, but I know it's, it's, it's an isomer no, of glucose. It's, no, it's the wrong term. That's what John Palmer said. No. Shame on you, John. I probably misquoted him. I shouldn't put it off on well, John. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah <you probably laughs> I, I most him. likely misquoted him. So I, never mind, Doc. I'm not going to tell you what else I know. It's not an isomer of glucose? No. Are you sure? Yeah. I don't even know where to find it anymore. Didn't I? <laughs> I wrote down all my page numbers except for the quote that I was wrong it's, it's, about. It's a disaccharide. Okay. And it's, but it's not, um, glucose. Glucose is a the single. Yeah. And, uh, um, a monosaccharide. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, this is a disaccharide. Okay. It, where, uh, maltose is. What's an isomer? Isomer is, uh, kind of like the mirror image of the, the model. I see. And where you could have the, you've seen the, what, what, uh, a molecule looks like in a stick form. Yes. Look at the mirror image of it. Okay. And it looks like the mirror image. Yeah. That makes a difference to them. I see. It, oh, to you, it looks, oh, it's just the other side of that sure. one. But to them, it, it has to do with how, how it behaves. Gotcha. It's a lot like whether or not you're giving strippers uh, dollar bills or dollar coins. It doesn't make a difference to you. It's the same amount, but it makes a big difference to them. Because it's usually cold when you put it in that. that Where was that little girl, that poor girl, put the coin? Exactly. So it makes a big difference. That's my point. Although in Asia, you can do it. (laughs) You can just throw coins at them? In Thailand, I've seen seen it happen. You just chuck them? Or or, or, or you're you're giving them Canadian dollars (laughs) instead of real dollars. (laughs) Yeah. American dollars. Don't be so cheap, We don't care, but they do. They do, because it's just not the same. (laughs) I'm never going to accompany you to a strip club anymore. You're just cheap. I don't know. I, I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's talk about uh, different forms of fruit that you can use. So this is if you're not exactly looking for a fermentable uh, sugar, but you are looking to add fruit characteristics to your beer. I'm not going to go extremely into depth here because we could do an entire show, show on, fruit. on fruit. But I do, since we since we did talk about adding fruit, I want to at least uh, throw some general information out, out there. Uh, a few forms of fruit. Obviously, there's whole and fresh fruit. If you're using whole fresh fruit, uh, you should know that uh, it really should be fully ripened. And you need to keep in mind that certain fruits, like strawberries, they won't ripen once they're off the vine. So uh, that, uh, for example, is kind of a difficult fruit to, to make sure is fully ripened. I mean, you would have had to buy it that way. Well, strawberries aren't a good good fruit to put in beer anyway. No? Tough uh, to use? Uh, they don't par- impart a lot of flavor. Okay. They're tough to use. Uh, the, the kind of strawberries most people get are a certain variety that just aren't strawberry e okay and uh they're, they're not a lot of there's not a lot of acid to them either so uh, that's another thing you got to worry about with fruit is how much acid is with the fruit okay and uh if, when you're adding acid to the fruit it actually adds to the flavor too i see so you can easy, you can put a lot of strawberries in and come out like eh it's it's really easy to be like eh, I guess so. Do you get that kind of astringent flavor? Yeah, you, get astri- you get the astringent flavor, but you just don't get a lot of strawberry out no of it. Fla- okay, it no, just doesn't. No, you're better stuff. off using um, one of those extracts. Okay, to to get more of that, which when we're going to talk about. When too. you're talking uh, raspberries, cherries, 
peaches are uh, another one notoriously that just or apricots that does don't come through very well. Oh, okay. So you're better off with an extract. Okay. Uh, but it depends on what you're doing. When you're adding fresh fruit, you're adding a lot of water too. Okay. So you're going to yeah. dilute your beer down. Yeah. All right, You've that's got, good to got know. Some issues with that. Too. So you're essentially lowering your gravity yes. at that point. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so it, and it might be a wash to a certain extent because with the water, it's going to water down the beer. Uh, but you're going to add the the, the fermentable sugar. sugars from the from the uh, fruit from the fruit. So, yeah. okay. Now, uh, th- when you're using whole uh, fresh fruits, they 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 can be added whole, chopped, or pureed. Uh, you're just essentially taking the fresh fruit and throwing it in. Uh, the Belgians are they they really like to use cherries in 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 Creek, and right. they throw pit and all into yeah. the beer. And the pit actually uh, adds kind of a nutty flavor on top of the the from, cherry flavor that they get too from the arsenic. Is it, there yeah. you go. But, Which, uh, by the way, sounds uh, really dangerous. But it, it's it's not that not enough to where it would matter. Small anyway. Um, but a lot of the with with uh, wine making, most of the flavor and the color comes from the skins. Yeah. So they use a lot of that. To get it. And too. with um, the Belgian guys, they use a certain kind of cherry. It's not just any old cherry you can get at the grocery store. They're not throwing maraschino cherries in there. No, which aren't even cherries. <laughs> yeah. They're uh, evil pornographic hybrids of cherries. I like them. <laughs> Maybe because of the pornographic hybrid yeah. thing. <laughs> but uh, it's just it's important to know that you can add you know whole fruit there. The, uh, the other form, another form of, of fruit um, now is frozen fruit. and uh, Which is probably your best way to do it. Or take your fresh fruit and freeze it. And freeze it yourself. Because it breaks down a lot of the cell walls. It kind of opens it up mm-hmm. and gets those flavors and the sugars more readily available, yeah. right? So, exactly. Yeah. So you want to if you if you have fresh fruit, freeze it first and then thaw it. Yeah. And it, it breaks down the cell walls, so everything's more available. And that's not just Doctor Scott's big brain saying that. Uh, it's in the books as well. Uh, all the books really say uh, mm-hmm. that that a great great way to add fruit is to use frozen fruit uh, because of how open it is. Right. Are you going to talk about pectin? Uh, I, no, I'm going to let you talk uh, talk about pectin, but only when we get to where it's added, because I, I do have that in my notes. Okay. Uh, okay, the third form uh, that Doc has mentioned uh, also is uh, concentrates and syrups, and uh, those should be added uh, into fermentation due to the amount of sugars and flavors that are available when you're using concentrates, yeah. uh, because it, you, it, it, it kind of goes without saying, when it's a concentrated form, everything is concentrated, including the sugars. So you, it's a good place to put your concentrates in is fermentation. And again, we're going to talk about where you can add all this stuff to. The final uh, version of, of fruit that I have here are extracts. Yes. Now, it's important to note that extracts contain no sugar. Uh, it does not have the fructose in it that, that we're talking about in these other forms. Um, so extracts should be added uh, during bottling or kegging. Uh, because you, you're not going to have any residual sugar. Yeah, you're not going to get any residual sugar. And if you Which remember... It uh, could be an issue if you add stuff late and it doesn't get fermented. And you put, and if you're actually bottling, yeah, uh, you're going to bottle bombs. Ah. Because it will ferment back in the bottle. Yeah. And you're going to have either over-carbonated or exploding bottles because you're actually just adding you know, sugar back to it. And it's, it, it will ferment it. So a beauty of extracts is, is, is you can add it, you can add it at the end and titrate it to the point where oh that's just enough yeah now if you remember uh, into some of our shows from last year uh, Doctor Scott has this fantastic coconut 
Uh, porter right. or stout? Was it a porter or stout? Uh, it was a stout. Coconut stout. And he uses an extract at bottling and really, uh, you know, he tested a few of them and really figured out that, that exactly one drop, uh, was yeah. the perfect amount for his bottle and he put a drop in every bottle. But a- anyway, just an example of how you can use an extract at the end. Uh, I, I do the same thing with fruit beers now because I, uh, w- I can dial that in. Yeah. I have a boysenberry wheat that just is killer. Yeah. And I just dial it in drops per bottle and then ramp it up. And you're all and, set. And put that in. And I don't have to deal with uh, stained buckets. Right. Which I've had before or uh, mucky stuff growing in there that I didn't know. Yeah. It was on there. Uh, the, the was it Oregon Fruit Puree? Mm-hmm. That, those, that's really good because that's pasteurized. Is too. that a brand? Yes, think? it comes okay. in cans. You can get it at most homebrew st- shops. Okay, and that was that stuff will work really well, but you need to put that in the secondary. Okay, so that works out really well. Now, I want to tell you a great thing about extracts um, is that you can make up for where you fucked up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. oh, that's the quote. Yeah. That is a fantastic <laughs> slogan. That's right. You can make up where you fucked up. Yeah. So. Uh, here, here would be my recommendation. If you're experimenting with making a fruit beer and whatever fruit you've chosen and you want to add, whether it be fresh fruit or frozen fruit, and you find at the end of the process you didn't get the fruit flavor you needed, well, guess what? Buy yourself a little bit of the extract, too, because right. at the end when you taste it just before you're about to bottle or keg it and it's not enough for you, throw a little extract in there. Uh, certain people I know just keep that extract right next to the taps and they just put a couple drops in and oh even at serving even at serving and yeah. just just to tweak it out to where they want yeah uh it's also don't go by what it says on the bottle add four ounces to five gallons never ever do that because they don't know what your beer is yeah and uh, you really want to try it out uh i would do a 12 ounce pour and see what it takes per bottle and then figure out how much you have and ramp it up from there and then still take about 20 percent off and try it out. Put it in the keg at 20% less than what you figured out mathematically. Yeah. With your 12 ounce beer and try it from there. There you go. But it's just, it's, it's good to know that you can experiment with all these fruits. Yeah. And not feel like, oh, I didn't get a fruity beer because you can, you can throw a little so extra. So many times when you put it in the primary or the secondary, you're just like, I can kind of taste it. Yeah. And that's what the, and that's kind of what, uh, the judges will say too. It's like, well, it could be more fruity on this. Yeah. I, I'm not, that's, the base beer comes through, but I'm not getting enough of this. Right. And you can now, titrate it in. That's right. Now, here's the deal uh, with these different forms of, of fruit. Extract excluded. Okay. So I'm talking about the whole fruit, the frozen fruit, the concentrates. Um, the amount of fruit in various forms pretty much doesn't vary. It's consistent. It's still measured in pounds of whole fruit per gallon of beer. So that equation doesn't change. Right. It's pounds of whole fruit per gallon of beer. And a nice general rule is one to two pounds of whole fruit per gallon of beer. So whether that be in in the form of, of, of puree or concentrate, the equation is still the same. Pounds of fruit per gallon. And a good yeah. rule, uh, according to, to the books, is, uh, is one to two. Yeah, New Glarus, uh, it's um, one pound of cherries in their Wisconsin red. Yeah. Per gallon. Okay. That's like, that's a lot of cherries. Yeah, that does sound like a lot of cherries. I think we have a bottle of that or two. Dang. Sent to us, yeah. Okay, um, uh, before I move on to when you can add this fruit, which we're going to do uh, fairly briefly, a uh, question came through, uh, Doc, is a question about purees, canned purees. Yeah. Um, they want to know how you figure out the sugar contribution in a, in a canned puree. 
And uh, that's a tough one. That is tough. I, I would go by, I would look for other recipes that have used it in that type of beer and uh, try it that way. Yeah. Uh, it, you, you can go with Justin's one to two pounds per gallon on that one. Yeah. Uh, Actually, calculating the exact amount. It, it's tough. It varies in, by fruit, too, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. And, and I don't know. Actually, I think it, it does come up to where uh, you can actually add in gravity points per gallon Yeah, per that. I know that according to Designing Great Beers, in pretty much just calculating both for flavor and gravity, like I said, the equation still remains the same. It's, it's pounds per gallon, and you're sticking with one to two pounds. How many gravity points that adds? It's going to vary so a little bit. Just remember, if you put it in the primary, yeah. it's going to scrub out almost all the flavor. Okay. You because might get, a, you might get a nose to yeah. it, but you, you're not going to get the flavor. Uh, and certain certain fruits just don't come through very well. Yeah. So most people add it into the secondary. Okay. Okay. So that's going to wrap up our different forms, but we're going to talk about when to add the fruit. But first, we got to take a drunk of the week call, Dr. Scott. I think okay. we got Crotch Rod on the line here. Nice. Trying to be drunk of the week. Crotch, are you there, brother? I'm not trying. <laughs> you're there. You're doing, huh? I'm there. Really? We haven't oh, heard from okay. you in a while, so I like it when when we haven't heard from folks in a while and they call in hammered. Oh, man, it's playoff football time. Yeah. we got a pale ale and a brown on tap. Oh, you just been drinking time. all night? Good times. You got that new video coming out, too. Is that going to be like drunk video of the year? Uh, <laughs> no, I, I was sober for at least half of it. That's good. Until you started talking to the horse? <laughs> I saw the promo, yeah, but I didn't see pants or no pants. So <laughs> I tell you what, I love that promo, Crotch. Yes, it's good. Oh, with, the, with, the, with the little chip theme, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> uh, go to crotchrot.com. Yeah, it is. A, it is an all-star cast. You go to crotchrot.com. You'll know what we're talking. about. So when about. did you start drinking? Uh, I started drinking right after I hit my numbers. Hit your well, numbers. Once you hit your, yeah, once once I hit my match numbers. Oh, are you talking about in the video or no? Today not, you're talking <laughs> today. <laughs> yeah. Well, you you got me confused here. Um, <laughs> That's I easy. Drinking today about noon. Noon. Yeah, boy, that's a good noon right there. That's People nine, are nine o'clock our time. It's especially nice since I didn't wake up until about eleven thirty. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, li- I I like that you waited the standard thirty minutes before cracking a beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Listeners are saying that they think that Crutch has hit the cousin too much tonight, rather than drinking. Oh, they think you're uh, you a little mixing. You a little high? No, <laughs> I, I don't no. do that stuff. Believe it or not, nah, he doesn't. Hey, he like works on people and shit. He's a nurse. Can't be smoking the weed. Knowing Top Shelf, yeah. I don't believe that. Yeah, yeah, you know that can make me drop a urine at any time. It <laughs> might be uh, yeah. 0.18 when I drop it. <laughs> I won't be high. Yeah. I mean, they don't even have to send you to the drug center to do that. You work in the place they test it. <laughs> they got the cup handy. Pissing this. I know. You walk past that dog, and the first thing is, like, does he smell pot? <laughs> All right, Crotch. Hey, I, Go ahead. I, I actually had a question for Doc on uh, some of this fruit stuff. Okay. Um, I live outside of Plant City, and we're getting ready to have a big... Uh, strawberry festival thing coming up here so where strawberries are going to be available i mean just non-stop by the pallets yeah and uh, i was almost thinking about doing a wheat and and mashing strawberries and uh what do you what do you think about that i don't think um it's going to help because all, the, most of the sugars are simple sugars there 
Yeah, I think mashing is you, you're going to just get more alcohol and no no strawberry coming through. But the fact okay. that the fact that they're available like that, get the ripest things you can. As Justin said, they don't ripen after you pick them. Yeah, and they they have certain types that are more flavorful than others. But if you can get them, say, look, I, all I want is the ripest things you can give me, and I put them into the secondary. Okay, and see yeah. what happens. Would you puree them? A lot of color from that too. Yeah, you probably get a lot of color from it too. Especially, you said cool. it's in a wheat, right? You know, in a wheat beer, yeah. Yeah, it's a cool idea. I kind of like that. But uh, tr- in, in the fact that they're everywhere around there, these guys, you know, they maybe they not want to sell the the ripest things they can. Yeah. So well, I would. They, I, well, they, they they've already started picking now, and it uh, comes out in around February. Uh, wow, February. See that's weird. Yeah. We don't get we don't get them till May around here, and then they go they go hard around here for about two months. But uh, yeah, it, it, they're they're already gearing up toward it, and uh, you can already start seeing the uh, stands on the side of the road. And uh, I wish I could February go hard for the, two months. Uh, <laughs> Me too. I, I I figured that would be a quote too. Um, I would go for the things that just ask them. I want the ripest things you have. Yeah. Uh, don't give me anything that's that's not ripe and yeah. uh, put it in the secondary. And throw an asshole in there when you're asking them. Yeah. That always helps. Yeah. Well, well I'll, I'll mix the mash with a little butt finger, so I'm not worried about that. No, I don't but, mean your beer. <laughs> I mean, say, give me the ripest things you have. Asshole. I, I, I don't see. I don't really see the point of making, uh, putting them in the mash. Okay. Because it, it's almost all fructose and things, so... I really don't see and, and and one other thing I was kind of wondering about is uh I, you know I heard uh you know the the 2 pounds uh the 2 pounds of fruit per uh gallon or whatever but yeah. uh, I mean where do you where's that range of keeping it in the line of a beer to uh where it crosses the line into almost a wine I mean when you've got that much fruit going in Well I think it has to do with uh the shape of the fruit when you get it is it fresh with a lot of water in it is it uh dried fruit is it uh puree you know, concentrated stuff. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, and how much the fermentables are actually going to come across is that. Okay. So there's but with strawberries, it's harder to get um, a flavor and an aroma coming out of it. Yeah. Because there's just not a lot. Not a lot comes out that way. So you got to use more. So don't feel bad about using. If you're going to make ten gallons, I would put. Two pounds or three pounds per gallon in one five-gallon and maybe one pound in the other and see what happens. And by the way, just because your local commodity is is one, you know, fruit, fruit or vegetable, <laughs> uh, doesn't mean that, like, for example, garlic's really big out here. There's a huge garlic festival. Yes. I ain't brewing a garlic porter next week. But you know what? If we go there, they will have a garlic beer. I think they I have. They have garlic ice cream. They have garlic everything. Have you ever had a garlic beer? No. That's got to be nasty. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's got to be. You know what got me wondering about mashing with the stuff, though, was uh, the pumpkin ale. I mean, people throw tons of pumpkin into their mash, and so I was going, well, why the hell not the strawberry? Well, because pumpkins are not really a fruit. They're more of a vegetable, and they got more starches. And less okay. fructose, and, le- and less and less less uh, sugar in them. Yeah. So you, you and basically, what what is a starch? Is a long chain sugar. So you need to put them in the mash to have them broken up. So you got to get some benefit out of that. Yeah. With the fruit, it's already pretty much uh, just sugar. Okay. But uh, you know what? Feel free to experiment. I I would even put half in the mash, and then try to try to do some more. But you, you're only going to try to get um, the fermentables out of it that way. You're not going to get the the strawberryness 
out of it. Yeah. And by feel free to experiment, he doesn't mean bring the farmer home with you and throw her in the mix. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He means uh, try different uh, quantities and fruits. You got me? Uh, no. <laughs> try, try different fruits, he yeah. said. All right, Crotch, you are officially uh, drunk of the week. and uh, Smoking. Thanks for the call and the questions. We've missed you, man. Thanks, buddy. All right, well, I'll talk to you soon. Later. Cheers. Did he uh, ever get his um, boil kettle or mashed ton back? <clears throat> Remember it got stolen? I don't think it ever got stolen. I think the whole thing was a hoax. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So before Damn, we get... I felt bad for nothing. You did? Yeah, yeah, you did. You, you lost sleep for nothing. <laughs> Damn. So before we get into more fruitiness, um, yeah. I want to say happy birthday to our own Sven. Oh, happy birthday, Sven. Yeah, tomorrow, the 15th, actually, oh, is his birthday. Nice. Happy birthday from happy the birthday Bring Network. Is he hanging out with Push tonight and that's getting, what, getting <laughs> That's so funny. That's the first question I asked, yeah. too. No, he's hanging out with his family. They're not really friends, are they? I think they're just partners, just <laughs> like us, Justin. Yeah, we, they don't <laughs> like each other. They just work together. <laughs> well, we haven't seen them together ever. <laughs> that's true. That's true. They might, we've, we've they heard, might be alternate mm, egos, actually. We've heard them together. They've been in here separately. Yeah. Who knows? They could be the same person. I don't know. Caller, uh, you're on the Brewing Network. What's happening? Uh, that would be me. I'm drunk of the week. <laughs> you're too late. Crotchrod already got drunk of the week. Who's this? Uh, this is a bike too many. I've been up for like two days and just went to Magnolia for two hours. Really? So Crotchrod hasn't got a, he hasn't uh, got a stone on me. Yeah, uh, I'll bet, I bet you're right. Yeah. You know, you're up two days, and then decide to go to Magnolia. Yeah, look at you trying to dethrone him. <laughs> what have you been up for two days for? Uh, work is a four-letter word. Who is this? It's uh, too many bicycles or something. <laughs> That's your name, too many bicycles? Yeah. What was it again? A bike, a bike too many. A bike too many, yeah. Hey. What do, you, are, do you Do you live in San Francisco, or are you just working out here? No, I live out here. You I do had a Burning Man meeting on Saturday morning. Nice. Went to work, and it what are you on never the, ended. What are you, on the committee? Yeah. You involved in this whole lawsuit nonsense going on? No, no, I'm just uh, I'm just stranger. Nice. I'm like Buzzcut. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I'm not like Buzzcut. <laughs> that's wrong. <laughs> Nobody is like yeah, Buzzcut. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, you may have dethroned Crotchrot. You sound You sound a bit hammered. Oh, well, might be. I took the bus home, you know. The short bus? <laughs> no, it was the full-size bus. <laughs> that, and you live here, yet you've adopted an accent in your drunkenness. You sound Canadian. So, that uh, I grew a- up too close to those stupid people. <laughs> Any t- drunk who adopts an accent uh, deserves Drunk of the Week. Can you say your social security number? <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't. All right. Uh, <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, you're it. We dethroned Crotch. I think he did. All right. Thanks for the call, brother. Oh. Right on. <laughs> Ow. He's like, right on. Crotch has only been up like yeah, like 11 hours. Yeah. If so I he's been drinking those 11 hours. That. Update, Crotch's equipment actually did get stolen. Oh, it did? Yeah. Okay. So you felt bad for a reason. There oh, good. All right, let me get through this feel uh, so that we can taste our beers, and and we're gonna we're gonna wrap things up tonight. Wrap it up. We want it now that we've covered the fruits. I want to go over real quick uh, when to add fruit, and we're gonna cover some of the things Doc briefly mentioned uh, while we do this. A uh, few ways to do it: you can add it to hot wort, which is otherwise known as steeping your fruit. And uh, uh, I had a question actually come through. 
you know, about uh, different bacteria that are that are in fruit and contaminating your beer. Well, steeping is one way to, that actually kind of serves to pasteurize. Um, other people say it also adds kind of that cooked fruit flavor, which yep. if, you, if you've ever had any hot fruit dessert, then you know yeah, that, the difference. Yeah, apple cobbler kind of thing or the cherry cobbler. It's, yeah. It's, when it's hot, it's, it's different. It's different. It's a little caramelized. Uh, you know, it's just just like cooking anything. Um, so you can do that. But here's what people fear. This is uh, what is potentially the downside of steeping your fruit, and that is that uh, people fear that the pectins contained in fruit result in in a haze in yes. your finished beer. Yep. Now, if you are worried about that, there's a remedy because you can counter that by using pectinase, which is an enzyme that'll counter. The pectins. Yeah, well, mo- a lot of people that they'll add it to their uh, mead or their beer because it'll, it causes a pectin haze. It breaks down a lot of that uh, nastiness that the long chain things that cause haze in it. Okay, but the, if, you, if you're making a cherry stout or then you uh, don't care an apricot stout, uh, make that. I don't know, but um, <laughs> it, it won't matter. Yeah. But if you're if you're making a nice light wheat beer, an American wheat beer with that in it. You could have an issue. You're gonna have an issue with the haze. So you gotta keep that in mind. If you're gonna if you're gonna steep them, you're gonna need some pectinase to uh, to help break down that haze. All right. Another way to do it is to add during fermentation. You can add the fruit. Um, this should be done if a portion of your fermentables, like we've been talking about, is gonna come from the fruit, the, yeah. the fructose that's in fruit. If you if you actually want part of, you, of your gravity to come from fruit, from that fermentable, then you need to put it in during fermentation. So that's why, uh, that's pretty much the primary reason that you would put your fruit in during primary fermentation. Yeah, to add, to add uh, you know, fermentable. gravity points. Yeah. Uh, the other way to do it is to add to your secondary. Now, this, again, is a good choice uh, if you're not looking to add fermentables, but you do want to reduce the chances of bacterial infection. And that's because when you go to secondary, you already have some alcohol content present in your beer. And, and the pH is pretty low. So, so, it's so gonna, a lot of those bacteria don't like it. It'll like inhibit that, yes. all that natural sh- yeasty craziness that's on fruit uh, yeah. and bacterial craziness. Right. Uh, uh, Secondary is a really good choice, and and this actually uh, seems to be the more popular choice yeah. for adding fruit. Um, you get more fruit flavor and more fruit aroma Yeah, that way. Definitely. The other great part about adding it to secondary is that you can control the exact amount of time that the fruit is in contact with your beer. Mm-hmm. So if, for example, you added the fruit uh, either in the boil or during primary fermentation, well, uh, primary fermenta- fermentation isn't always an exact science. I mean, sometimes it's going to go on for five days. Sometimes it's going to go on for eight days, yep. uh, et cetera, et cetera. And, and you don't know how long then your fruit's going to be in contact with beer. If you wait until primary's done and you put it in the secondary, well, the fruit's in there as long as you keep it in secondary. Yes, so exactly. Uh and and this is a good thing because as you start to decide exactly how much fruit you want to be using and how well it's working for a particular beer, you're really going to want to narrow down a lot of the factors. And when you know exactly what you want, well you're going to want to know how much time that fruit's in the beer. So secondary is a good choice for you there. Last uh option which we mentioned earlier is if you're using extracts, you're going to add them during bottling or kegging. And that's a real simple process and you're just going to decide how much you want to add. So much less hassle too. Yeah. You don't you don't get the haze. You can dial it in exactly what you want. So many times I've done fruit and say, like, mm, that ain't quite what I wanted cuz it's just not enough." Yeah. And even if you do fruit, you can still add the extract into it. 
and boost it up some. That's right. If you if you didn't impart enough of that fruity flavor, so I mean, uh, Crotchrod actually with his question is a is a perfect example of somebody who should go pick up strawberry extract because even even as he's using this uh, strawberry in his wheat beer, like Doc is warning him of, he's afraid he's not going to get enough strawberry flavor in right. there. If at the end uh, he has it's not strawberry enough, you can throw some strawberry extract in and still get the flavor he was looking for while reaping the color benefits that he got of throwing strawberry in a wheat beer. And you can dial it up to the point where when does it cease being beer yeah. and being this fruity thing? Fruit drink. Yes. High C. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it, you can easily go too much. As he says, add four ounces to five gallons. Never, ever yeah. go with that one. That's insane. It is. It's, it might be enough and it might not. In the... Uh, Jamil's recipe chocolate hazelnut porter that Daniela and I brewed yesterday, Doc. Uh, nice. We are going to have to add, according to the recipe, because um, this can be done uh, not not just with fruits but with uh, legumes as well. We're supposed to add uh, 25 milliliters of hazelnut flavoring, which okay. is an extract of, yes. of hazelnut. Um, 25 mils is not a lot, you know, for five gallons of beer. It might it might be with that. You add 25 milliliters of peppermint. And then it's, it's going to be... It's going to be ugly. A good point. So uh, you got to go with each an individual extract yeah. on that one. Yeah. 25 milliliters of vanilla is going to be crazy. That's right. And and uh, every one of you has had uh, sort of a seasonal beer that just tasted like you were drinking nutmeg, for example. Yeah. It's a real strong one. You had too much nutmeg extract, you can you can forget about it. You might as well have eaten nutmeg. Yes. <laughs> you know? Or you get high on nutmeg, by the way. Is that right? Yes. In large quantities? Uh, you can, yeah. Well, you or in any quantity. Grind it and snort it. Now, what kind of high are we talking here? Uh, yeah, it's kind of a hallucinogenic. Is it really? Kind of gig, and does yeah. it is it like a quickie or does it stick around? I'm not saying. <laughs> in theory, in theory, <laughs> it's about a 12 hour high. Is that right? In theory. Now, are we like one line? I'll do that, or you got to like you got to snort a bunch of this stuff. You ask me way too many questions. <laughs> I can't believe we're gonna ask this off the air. Yeah, <laughs> oh, you can do banana peels too. Really? Yeah. Oh, I've heard what? that one. You smoke them, right? Yeah. Yeah. What is? What does that do? Nothing. Gets you. Gets you. <laughs> I want to know. Let's. It doesn't let's do anything on it. the air. <laughs> what is it? Banana peels. Banana peels. Yeah. That's legal, isn't it? Well, sure, it's bananas. Yeah. <laughs> smoke whatever you want. We're gonna do that later on. We're okay. Smoking banana peels. Yeah, we have bananas here. You didn't eat yours. Can we just put it in the hookah? Like with nah, you, you gotta, you gotta like get the inside. Why am I discussing you, this? You gotta, Why are we talking about? This? You gotta freebase it. Yeah. <laughs> you need a crack you dry pipe. it out and some other things. Please. I see. All right. Uh, all right. And uh, that's going to do it for the Hell Freezes Over discussion where I've just given you a chemistry lesson. Uh, of course, Excellent. with the help of the good doctor. I'm very proud yes, of you I am tonight. Too. Really. You just became so much hotter and more attractive. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to drop my voice. Now. Oh, yeah. Very nice. No, I'm just glad that I didn't have to be corrected too much by Doc, although, of course, he wasn't here for the uh, beginning <laughs> of the session. I may get emails for days on end yeah. about my uh, descriptions of sugar molecules. Okay, that's okay. <laughs> but I do want you to know, listen, uh, none of this is uh, uh, my experience. Uh, very little of it is my experience or my words. Um I really recommend uh, most of my research. Ninety percent of it was done from designing great beers, written by Ray Daniels, which, which is my book, Doc's, and, and, and his favorite book. He talks about it all the time because I don't and see it anymore. You lent it to me. What the hell do you want? I, think I left it here. No, you said you can mar- <laughs> don't be an Indian giver. 
<laughs> what? Is that politically uh, correct anymore? Yeah. No. no. <laughs> um, uh, what Native, does it Native American giver. It means you can't give stuff or like lend it out and then take it back. Like say, oh, now you can't have that. Why kinda, do you refer like, to Native Americans? Because that that's matter? what we did to the Indians. Yeah. We like were like, here, you can have this. And then we took it back. That's so true, you stupid crackers. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. Let's not start talking about wh- whose country did what to who. <laughs> yeah, right. exactly. I got to go. <laughs> and the other book uh, was How to Brew by John Palmer. And yes. really, they're both... They, like I've said before, they can they can both be very basic and then uh, get really serious too, and 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 break things down. So I want you to know, I want to give them props that uh, that's where uh, the majority of this discussion came from, and you too should should get these books and uh, check it out for yourself. Okay, uh, before we do go today, though, we got a couple more beers to taste, and these are ones that were in our uh, fridge uh, from last year. If you remember in, in last week's show, we had three unlabeled, unknown beers yeah. left. And that's what these are. So we don't know what they are or necessarily who they're from, but we're going to taste them anyway. Uh, this one does have a label, but it's all it's like mushy-mashy, and it says... I think it says... Smeared. Stop Ewok. <laughs> okay. That's what we'll say it's from. So Stop Ewok. This is this is your beer that uh, we're about to taste. That. And it's a little bit of a of a gusher. Gusher, yeah. But it's it's it's, it's pushing. Oh yeah. Two out the top. Oh, definitely a gusher. In fact, here it comes. Okay, so stop. Ewok is a gusher. Doc's stroking the top of the bottle to uh, <laughs> see if we can get it. Yeah, I've brewed a beer like that before. It looked just like that. And it's 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 actually uh, very turbid. Okay. I can see that through the bottle. Okay. Now, uh, a gusher, in case you don't know the terminology, you probably do, but uh, it's uh, just basically means it kept it wasn't done fermenting when you put it in that bottle, uh, or it could be infected as well, which caused a whole other kind of fermentation to happen. And it's kind of excessively carbonated. In fact, some of them are so bad that they'll explode right there in the bottle. Uh, I had actually had a bunch of bottle bombs when I brewed an ESB one time, and no, it was a pale ale. That's right, and uh, that stuff just exploded all over my cabinet. I drank it, though. You'll drink this, too. <laughs> it's in my nature. I'm going right. to guess this is an IPA. It's about the color of one, and it kind of tastes like one. And it's really, kind of. really carbonated. Is Lots it good? Of, I think, well, here. No, hang on. Is it good? Here, have some. We haven't tried it yet. We haven't really tried it. It's like mostly all smell, foam. It's all right foam. Now. We can't get to the to the beer part. Oh, yeah. I wonder oh. if whoever sent this in noticed this in other bottles or if it was just ours. It smells totally fruity. It smells fruity. It smells a little saisony too, which uh might coincide with whatever infection was going on there. Um It's not horrible by any means. It's just overcarbonated, which it, it yeah, could, it's actually not horrible at all. No. It, it it's just overcarbonated, so you either bottled it too soon or you got an infection. Yeah. Because it is kind of dry, and then if it's got an infection, it will keep fermenting in the bottle. Yeah, and it 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 actual cause more carbonation, and but it gets it really dry. Too. Yeah. Now this is an example of why people will say you should leave it in, whether it be your primary or secondary, whatever it is that you do, you should leave your word in there for 14 days. Because even if it looks like it's done, right. it might not be. And you go ahead and throw it in the bottle with a bunch of corn sugar on top of that. Yeah. And uh, guess what? You just made your yeast really happy. I mean, this is and the fact that it's so turbid, which could be two things. It could be I can smell the hops. Yeah. Uh, it could be uh, the hops. Which will yeah, make it, it cloudy. like that, yeah. or it could be a, the bacterial infection. Sure. Uh, Although, it, when the, it, says, it says ferment for five days, 
Yeah, right. Who, yeah. Who, they don't know all what temperature you're fermenting at. If you're, if you're fermenting at 72, yeah, five days is cool. <laughs> if you're fermenting at 64 or up and down yeah, with the... The temperature that changes things. You're not, you're not going to know. Yeah, and 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 then you know, just you got to remember that just because it looks like it's not doing anything doesn't mean it isn't doing anything. So right. just just hang in there, have a little patience. If uh, and don't bottle while your wife is vacuuming. Why is that? Uh, because it stirs everything up in the air, and you get uh, all those nasties, wild yeast or whatever, into um, the bottling bucket. And this is why uh, Jamil and his family put on cryogenic suits every yes. time they bottle. Uh, they put on masks and they go into the clean room and I don't know what else they do. Uh, but yeah, that's a good point, Doc. You, you, know, you don't just want stuff flying all over the place. So if no, the wife definitely. turns on the vacuum when you're bottling, you throw something and, in her you know, direction. The funny thing is they seem to do that when you're bottling because they're pissed. <laughs> and they know. Oh, they're like, well, I'm going to freaking vacuum. You're going to do that. And then they just vacuum. How many times was your wife vacuuming? Said, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. We're going to try another one. Like I said, we got three unlabeled Let, unknowns. Let's, let's go to the light one. Okay. Yeah, we have one in a 22-ounce bomber that uh, looks real clear. And that's... <laughs> it's it's clear. It was probably a half. <laughs> it's been yeah. sitting in the fridge for six it's, months. It's, it's a 22-ounce bomber. It's got a bird on the top. I think it's an EJ Fair bottle cap. It looks like an EJ Fair Fair um bottle cap, yeah. Bottle I think cap. somebody shops at B3 who sent it, that. It's uh yeah, it's a black overrun bottle cap. I think it might be one of my beers and I just mixed it up. Why the hell am I opening this thing? Yeah. <laughs> we already know what that's going to with the evaluation um, of that's going to be. The yeast in the bottom is uh settled all down. It's it's a kind of a thick thing on the bottom. So, let's should, uh, should reuse that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're so cheap. You would. I am cheap. Let no, me see this, that. See this beer. I don't think you could brew this beer. <laughs> Why? Because it's clean and clear. Yeah, it's clean and light. <laughs> yeah. If it's not stinky and dirty, it can't be mine. Is that what you're saying? I'll have you know I'm half your underwear. I'll have you know I'm practically a chemist now, Doc. Yeah, I saw that. Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'm gonna start reading stuff from now on. Just put the chemistry book in the bathroom. You'll be fine. Yeah. No, I'm not drinking this. <laughs> really? You smelled yeah. it and you say no? Look at the color Ooh, of it. Ooh, it is a little stinky. As uh, no, as Mike McDowell would say, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> Look at the color. It's almost... You're saying it looks like urine? Well, okay, it looks I, like a very light I just carbonated uh, my light lager and it looks like this, but it doesn't smell like this. It smells like plastic. No, it, it smells like... Oh, my gosh. It smells, it smells like cardboard. Yes. Plastic cardboard? Uh, papery cardboard, like wet wet paper, wet cardboard. Yeah, it does. It's true. And it's, that's it's, true. That's because it's old. It's been sitting in your refrigerator way too long. Uh, or the fact that it, it it got a lot of oxygen in it actually will age it a lot faster. Oh, yeah. It was a half at one time. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Please dump this, Chet, would you? Don't you think, Doc, that that, that used to be a half? I get trying. The, I'm getting the. I I know I got to fight through the other flavors, but there is a little banana in there and some other things happening. I think that used to be and a half. It, you're right. It tastes like plastic and phenolic. Yeah, not good. My bad. It could. Uh, let's not even criticize the poor guy. No, whoever it, it is, because it could have been great. It, it could have been great. Hefts do not age well. Yeah, six months ago might have been a nice beer. <laughs> that's probably when it hits your refrigerator. See, that's why we are staying on top of these things to okay, make good. sure that everybody gets a proper evaluation. I wish we would have more of this stout. Yeah, we drank. Well, we all got another of, dark uh, one coming Brew up. Crew stout. Uh, looks like a bass bottle. Is that a bath? No, it's a. Uh, it's either a fat tire or a bass bottle. Yeah. 
Careful when you reuse I don't know your it bottles. Has fruit on this side. Not that you shouldn't reuse them. Just make sure they're clean. You know. All right, so we're gonna pour this last one, and and then we're gonna wrap up the Hell Freezes Over show and uh, call it a night. You know who's coming to the area? Terrace, and he's gonna bring us beer. Taurus. in two weeks. Oh, token, token. Is token. that right? Yeah. Is he gonna come hang out for the show? I think so. He's bringing us beer. Beautiful. Wow, we never had a black guy in here. Yeah, we haven't. He'll be the first black guy in the BN studio. Excellent. He could be the first everything. He yeah. likes that. <laughs> he does. He's our, he's our first black listener. He'll be the first black guy in the studio. First black brewer. How long have I lived here? I don't know if a black person... No, that's not true. I Our have, friend... Uh, I have one black friend. And right. He's been in the studio. Yes, he has. But he acts really white, however that he's is. We don't know Taurus anybody. either. Yeah. He's like... Like his favorite band is... I don't know. Like Pearl like Abba? Jam or something. Abba. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's like, got any Abba? <laughs> Uh, this is our last beer of the day, and uh, we don't know who it's from. It looks like a porter or a stout, just off of my... Uh, it could be a flat barley wine, too, for all I know. Smells uh, porter stouty, though, too. Mm. It's probably high alcohol, because it's got... Did you just say, uh-oh, Daniela? Yeah. <laughs> no, I just didn't... No, they're, 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 try to swirl it, there's like, it's either... There's just It won't hold a head, so it's probably high alcohol. Yeah. I think it's a bar... It smells like a barley wine to me, actually. It, it, it kind of... That's what... I'm going with barley wine. Me too. I haven't tasted it yet. What do you think? Barley wine. Is it? But it's... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's not too great? No. It's very thin. I don't think barley wine. I'm going to stick to porter. I think it maybe was a bit, like a no, robust I'm, porter. I'm going, I'm going with porter too. It's terrible. I think he was no, going for a, a big porter, like a robust porter, uh, but it's real thin, really, yeah. really thin. Yeah, I, I, it's not horrible. No, it's not. There's nothing wrong. It's not infected. It's clean. Um, but, yeah, but it's it's real thin. I'll tell you what. Some of the flavor characteristics are right on for yeah, a porter. Exactly. It has a nice. Uh, it's it's roasty. It's a little bit nutty. It's got all of that. It just has no body to back any of it up. Yeah, and it doesn't have enough carbonation. Now, is this an example, kind of talking about our discussion, where he would have wanted a nice dextrinous malt? He would have wanted some dextrins in here, or is that not how he would have added body to this beer? Um, you can actually add a lot of mouthfeel just with carbonation. Okay. And this doesn't have any. It's flat. Yeah. It's, it's kind of flat. So it, it'll be a whole different beer if you add carbonation to it. Okay. I'm a big proponent of the proper carbonation on whatever beer it is. Yeah. And it would actually probably come alive a lot more with some carbonation. Uh, like you said, the flavors are there. Yeah. It's just a, a little thin in the, in the body. Yeah. Uh, maybe a, a higher mash temperature uh, if he wasn't doing all extract. Yeah. And, um, but a great aftertaste. The flavor really yeah, hangs I, around in a nice way. It's uh, not too acidic. Uh, I like it. Over it, it's just it's too dark to see if I, it's bottle condition. I don't know. Yeah, I can't tell if there's those little hanger honors in the bottom. There. I, I don't know if I'd change the recipe that much. Uh, maybe some carapils, but definitely carbonation. Yeah. Uh, maybe you could win our next uh, kegging system. There you go. And you can dial it in. Exactly where you want. Right, it. right where you want. Yeah. Overall, good job. It's. I think. Yeah, it's, I, I do too. I, it yeah. just needs. Maybe we got a bad bottle. Maybe the cap was leaking a little bit. Yep. Because uh, there's just no carbonation. But you saw what I did when I looking at it. I had a preconceived idea of what I'm going to drink. Yeah. 
appearance, they only give you three points for appearance. Right. But you know what? It, it, it sets the stage for this whole thing. Sure. And I'm thinking, well, what's this? What's this? So when I, when I taste it, if I'm disappointed. Yeah. And what I'm already thinking I'm going to taste, it, it's going to be an issue. And expectations play such a huge role. Exactly. The first time I tried, uh, Sully's uh, IPA out of the can, as soon as the can touched my mouth, I was like, oh shit. Because I'm used to it being bad being out of a bad, can. Being bad, bad can. But yeah. it was, you know, but it did, uh, it did affect my expectations. Oh, you know, when they do that with their shirt and you see what the big cans look like. That affects my yeah. expectations the too. Expectations just go out the out the. Door. I don't want you talking about other cans. How do you know what you're talking about other cans? I've noticed. <laughs> Setters or pointers. <laughs> All right, uh, that's going to do it for the Hell Freezes Over show. Uh, next week, though, is uh, I'm excited about next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. We've done a what you need to brew equipment wise show. We've done that before. Next week, we're going to talk about all the other cool shit you could We're going to take it up a notch. Yeah. But the goal is so that you can figure out how to spend your hard-earned dollars because some of those things are going to profoundly affect your beer. Others right. aren't. Why you need this? Why you need that? Yeah. Why this affects that so much? And what's more bang for your buck? That's right. What's your next purchase? That's right. Uh, if you're just doing uh, carboys in the, in the corner of the kitchen. Yep. Maybe yeah, you want to do something else. Maybe you want to do the next thing. What's going to be your biggest bang for your buck so we're going to break it down kind of step by step so to to help you decide on your if you have a limited brewing budget what to spend it on what you're going to buy the next thing no matter what <laughs> no matter what the wife says you're still going to buy it. the next thing eventually and uh you can't go out and buy a 1550 right away yeah uh but what's your next level up and i did the same thing yeah i started out in buckets on the stove trashed a couple of stoves uh trashed a couple of buckets yeah and uh it just moves up. What's what's your next biggest thing? What's going to make the biggest improvement in my beer? The next thing up, I was making. I was. I had sawhorses. Yeah, three level sawhorses holding your stuff, holding, up, holding yeah. everything up, and yeah. I was pouring stuff in the top and everything. So I didn't start out with a big sculpture either. Right. And we're going to help you, you know, figure out if that's what you need to do. And Chris Graham from Beer, Beer, More Beer is going to come in here. If you listened uh, to the Frugal Brewing Show with Chris, you'll know that he's he's really good about telling you where you should spend your money and how you can save cash. And so we thought he'd be perfect to come in here and, and tell us, uh, you know, what uh, equipment is for what. On top of that, he uh, kind of has a theory about uh, about good equipment versus bad equipment, and we want to get that out of him too. So uh, that's next week's show, a part of our Extra Things in brewing series it's nice and the week after that we're actually doing an, a live show from downtown joe's with colin kaminsky out there in napa uh doc isn't going to make that one um, but we're doing two other live shows in february from there and doc will be around i'll for see those if ones. i can call into the show okay i'll be well i think we got jameel coming down so he's going to help us out with that and i'm pretty sure our topic for that is uh by the way it's the off weekend in between the super bowl so uh I guess it's the last weekend of this month. Um, and we're going to be covering uh, fermentation vessels. So uh, if you just want a conical from the uh, my, my, yeah. conical Christmas, a lot of people don't know how to use it. Everyone knows they want a conical, but they don't know why. And uh, Chris and I have been shooting emails back and forth and, you know, just to get down the, the steps and how to take care and and you know deal with your, fer- your fermenter because it's a conical you never had this thing you've yeah. dealt with buckets or carboys right now you got stainless steel that's right 
But we are also going to talk about uh, how to use your carboys, how to use your buckets, and really get the most out of your fermentation vessel of choice. So a really great lineup of shows we got coming up, and uh, we'll just try to keep it coming at you. Stay tuned to the Brewing Network to find out about all that. Sign up for our newsletter if you haven't already. Tomorrow, Jamil. Jamil show tomorrow morning where we'll also be announcing our drawing winners uh, for a six-pack of Jamil's beer. And uh, if you donated $50 or more, uh, who might get to brew with Jamil? And that was part of our Linda Stark fundraiser. And again, uh, hats off in to you. In the clean folks. room? Uh, in the clean room. Nice. Yeah. So uh, that's coming up tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. on the Jamil uh, what Show. What about the, uh, the, the Jamil uh, raffle? That's, that's what we're talking about. That tomorrow morning. I thought he was just giving some beer away, not actually. Yeah, that it too. Was, he changed it. He said, okay, wow. for 10 bucks or more, I'll put you in a raffle for my six pack. For 50 or more, you're in a raffle for me to come brew with you. Smoke it. Or you to come go to his house and brew with him there. So that's what we're, uh, uh, we closed the, the polls last night, uh, as, as they were, at uh, midnight, and we'll put all the names in a hat. Jamil will be drawing them tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. on the Jamil Show, right here on the Brewing Network. Thanks for tuning in to uh, our Sunday show, our Hell Freezes Over show, and uh, we'll see you next week, eh? Yeah. yeah. You're here next week. Yeah, right I'm here now? next week. All right. Next week it is. Take care, everybody. Be safe.